Hello and welcome to Dial H for Hero Clicks. This is episode four. I'm your host, Hunter Smith. With me this week is Andrew Alderson. Yeah. Austin Smith. What's up, guys? And a special guest, <laughs> Philip J. Fry. No, Philip Young. Hello, hello. A uh, close friend and a judge at Game Preserve in Greenwood. Um, Phil, I've got a few questions that I've formulated that I'm going to ask from here on out, starting with you, to every guest we come in. First off, what is your gaming background as far as board games and card games? Sure. Well, primarily for about three years, I was a big-time uh, Magic player. I played in a lot of the FNM, Star City games, Grand Prix, anything I can really get my hands on. Uh, transitioned after I started working at the Game Preserve to start playing board games and other miniature games, and that's where I found Hero Clicks, and I really haven't turned back since then. It's pretty much my new drug. <laughs> there is no turning back. Um, <laughs> what are a couple of your favorite comic book characters in general? I know you love Superman. I do love Superman. He's definitely up there, and I guess that would probably explain why I like Invincible, because he's kind of a more modern or alternate version of Superman in a lot of ways. Um, let's see. Also, loving Uncanny Avengers. I hadn't liked Marvel for a long time, but the Now series has really impressed me. Um, but primarily before then, it's almost all been Superman and Justice League kind of stuff. Uh, what would you say is your favorite HeroClix set that's ever came out? Ooh. Oh, geez. That's a hard one. That is a good one. Uh, from what I've seen, and uh, Giant Size X, Marvel's <laughs> Giant Size X Men. Ah, you got, I was going to think Superman. That's what yeah. I was thinking. And the, the reason I didn't, I didn't like that set as much is I felt like they really just focused on such a small storyline for the bulk of it and uh, didn't seem really like a focus set. Yeah, it, it, it didn't have a lot of sub-themes in it either. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the ones they had were so small. Like, what was there, four figs from Flashpoint? Maybe, maybe six. Yeah. yeah. And even then, like, when you crack those boosters, they have so many weird different figures in them that you don't recognize even as, like, someone who reads Superman. My yeah, last question know. is, might take a little longer to answer. <laughs> I know for us it did. Top three favorite hero clicks. That's definitely a tough one. Uh, I'd say... Hmm. Well, Superboy Prime is probably my most recent favorite one. Um, I can't count how many figures I've one-shotted with that guy. <laughs> um, I, let's see. Not to sound cliche, but uh, Brother Voodoo's been quite amazing as well. Oh, yeah. The sculpt's great. The mechanics of them, I think, are well thought out. Um, very flavorful for a Prime. Usually the Primes, I think, like either hit or they completely miss. And I oh, guess yeah. the uh, Marvel Giant Size X-Men's Cable, the super rare. Yeah. yeah. I love that fig. Um, I'm a big... I love the time-traveling stories with uh, Kang, and Cable has the past and future thing, so I like playing around with those types of team builds. Um, we played a couple things this week. Uh, Wednesday, we had Clicks Justice at Game Preserve. Uh, Phil and I ran that, and... We kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but I'll go a little more in depth, in depth with it. Basically, it's a game scenario that Glass Cabinet Films on YouTube um, came up with a few months back, but he does it on a small scale, and it's kind of like a scenario that's that's based on fighting games like Marvel vs. Capcom or Injustice. And you take pre-built teams 
that each represent a comic book character, and then each player picks one and then faces off on a smaller sized map with no first round in, uh, immunity. I- immunity. Having a brain fart. So basically, I took his idea and I blew it up on a bigger scale. I made my own maps, made them a, a tiny bit bigger. They're the size of Street Fighter maps. I think it's 16 by 6 squares. And we, I used mostly Street Fighter maps with a few that I made myself from, like extra Fear Itself maps and No Man's Land maps. And I have 18, or sorry, 30, 15 on each side, 30 pre-built, pre-built teams all around 300 points. And feel like they're pretty balanced. We had a couple teams that ended up being better than what they should be, but honestly, they were ones that I had already kind of suspected would be anyways. And so I kind of had in my head, if these turn out to be good, I'm going to nerf them. But I want to play test them before I nerf them. I don't know what you're talking about. I thought Villains Fire was completely fair. Villains were, <laughs> actually, Villains for Hire kind of slipped through the cracks because <laughs> I originally had a totally, I had a society team built for that. And then right when I was putting this all together and playtesting everything was when um, Teen Titans came out. Yeah. And I saw that Deathstroke and I was like, He's pretty good. Yeah. I want to play around him, so I put that Villains for Hire team, and that's only the that's the only team that didn't get play tested, and you saw how that yeah. turned out. Play, so that Cheshire, the guy who chose the team first round, literally he walked away from the board, and I think in shock of how <laughs> one sided his match was. Yeah. Honestly, um, for the the there was like one other team that it wasn't broken; it had close matches, but it was doing really well too, and that was the um, X Force team. With Web of Spider-Man, Deadpool, um, Archangel, and Psylocke. And I toned it down a little bit, but I didn't change it a whole lot. Um, anyways, basically, I had all the players roll 2d6. We lined them up from highest to lowest, and two people at a time came up, picked their teams. I give them their teams, and they go to play their match. And so, again, this is there's two um, objects on each side of the map. They're, they're directly in the middle, and they start in the same place every time. And you roll to see who goes first. Winner goes first. Second chooses map side. And you only have 25 minutes to play one round. Again, there's no first round immunity. So these games are over pretty quick. It seems like, you know, you think 300 points, 25 minutes, this isn't going to be over. But actually, the vast, at least like 85% of the rounds were over before time was called. So it goes fast enough. The pacing is is pretty on point. And... um, then when you go after somebody wins, they're one and zero, and then the loser of the first round gets to go second for the se- or gets to go first for the second round. And then if you end up going one and one, then you'll roll two d six again. Winner gets to go first for the last round, and then who best out of uh, best two out of three. Um, and then once everybody's done, they return their figs, and I make them pick a different team so everybody has a, a good chance of playing against and playing with teams that they haven't got to play yet. There were a few teams I really wanted to try that I can't wait till we play next time because like I saw them like the JLA team looked really cool. Um, the Amazon, the Amazon team. Yeah, nobody picked my Amazon team, and that's the, that's my sleeper team. I guess it won't be now that I just said that, but <laughs> that's kind of the sleeper team on there. Um, no hot dog cart. Nobody picked either. Superman, yeah. Fantastic Four, Wonder Woman in the Amazons, or Batman in the Batman family. But Phil brought up a good point. People are probably burned out on Batman family right yeah. now with all the sets that came out. But that's an excellent team as well. Um, so hopefully everybody enjoyed it, and we can do it a couple times a year and do it at the other venues a couple times a year. 
and people can get to t- you know play all these teams, and I can keep tweaking the build. There was a couple of teams that I ended up buffing, a couple I ended up nerfing, but um, every, I mean everybody except maybe one or two people said they had a blast with it. I think it it turned out pretty well. Um, we got very very good feedback from our group, and a lot of people. I'd say a dozen people have already expressed great interest in playing it again. The 18 players too, which was great. Yeah, it was kind of. I was kind of worried about running it with that many people because it's hard to keep everybody on time. Like when we played it at the dugout, we only had six people, and I and people kept on playing their matches without waiting for everybody. But it was fine. We actually got an extra round in. Yeah, <laughs> we actually got an extra round in that we wouldn't have either. But whenever we had you know 20 ish people, it was a little harder to run, but it still worked out pretty smooth. Um. We just got back from the dugout, and we played another Gen Con prep event. This was the 400 points video game teams. I didn't actually get to play. Well, I play tested my team one time. I played the Locust team from the Gears of War, just one of each is a perfect 400 points, and it was an excellent team. But I'll let you guys, uh, Drew and Austin, talk about your teams. Um, I had a. Uh, I, I decided to go with a 400 point Bioshock team. Um, I knew with video game teams, typically the values are a little more fluctuated, like usually have really high defenses and really low attacks on average on those sets. And the Bioshock pieces were looking really solid overall. It looked like they could hold their own against some Marvel ones, and I really wanted to mess with that Founders ATA, or that Founders TA. So uh, I built a Founder minion team based around the Commandants, the Founder Soldiers, and uh, Slate. Which Slate is a piece that I don't think people have realized yet how ridiculous and bonkers he can be. We talked about him... Like our was that that was our first week I think yeah, yeah and we were spoiling pieces and I hadn't looked at him yet and then I was like wait this guy's ridiculous oh man he is like, just as, look at this power one of the, one of the guys that showed up had brought up Pacific Rim clicks which I thought were gonna wreck me and like they were power pieces against like some of these and I dropped a hey he didn't have anything else to play on the side video game wise so that's what he says <laughs> <laughs> but so he brought he he at the board was like this game is going to be a shutout i have low damage values i put three enhancements around that slate dropped a barrier out to where it would only hit one of them pulse waved for five and just kept blasting them it was great which uh, also lets you ignore the mystics oh, yeah. that the monsters have in pacific Rim. oh yeah. it, it was ridiculous i mean like i would recommend that piece to anyone in a heartbeat but uh the issue i had with the team was it's a traditional problem with a heavy range team. The Commandants let me ignore hindering, so I didn't have a problem with any stealth. The big issue I ran into is if someone ran up and tied me up, I have close to no penetrating, I had no outwit on the team. Um, it screwed me in melee compared to most of my other teams. Another good thing about this slate was um, he drops I playtested it with my Locust team against the team that Austin's talking about, and I was like, I'm going for that slate. So I set it up where he... I. I totally screwed over his pulse wave, and I was like, I've got him now. And I popped him for, like, three or four. Drops and he gets, charge like, charge blades, blades. ten attack. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's a... Eleven. And still that has that <laughs> traded poison. So he's a solid, very solid figure. Oh, Best the, figure out of that set. Another thing that's great about that blades poison is that if another figure of yours dies, you can swap places. And so I had some fun with that today, too. So, like, they'd kill one of my weak little founder soldiers. Boom, slates right up in your face with an exploit on his top dial punching you. That's great. What did you play, Drew? I played some generic Halo team because I didn't really feel like building anything for it. Um, it was two jackals, the elite with the sword, the elite, the cloaked elite with the sword, and the elite with the carbine from Halo. Um, 
I went two and one. It was okay. Yeah, you did good. Yeah, it did better than I thought. First game, I beat Austin because he made a really bad move. I picked a horrible, horrible map. Okay, so (laughs) one of the Bioshock maps is there's a bridge, and Austin's like, well, I guess I'll just go sit all my guys on this bridge because they all have enhancement. I'm going to hit them for five. Well, the problem is he can't see over them. Yeah, it was a two-wide So I just ran in my melee guys and just slaughtered him. It was bad. It was horrible. It was pretty bad. Uh, second game, I just went up against Street Fighter Clicks. It was it was kind of weird. I started to falter towards the end, but I won that too. And third game was against Scott's Gears of War team, which <laughs> stupid. He was playing the whole. Was he playing one of each of the other of the? Yeah. I don't know why I'm having a brain fart right now, but Cog. the Cog Soldiers team yeah. also is one piece of each equals a perfect 400 point team. Yeah. So. <clears throat> They're pretty solid, too. I liked the Locust. I, I was debating either the Cogs or the Locust, but I like the Locust. Their TA is really good, and we're going to talk about that on Just oh, the Tip. Man. We'll get into that more a little bit. Um, that's what we played this week. Uh, we're going to get into some news. Phil, you didn't, yeah, Phil didn't get to play anything this week <laughs> because um, he had to work, and also on Wednesday, he and I were running everything Wednesday, so we didn't get to actually play. Yeah. What teams did you play Wednesday when you played? Uh, Modoc. Oh yeah, Modoc was a fun one um, with his heavy range setup. You move him forward. You give a, you put the two aim agents with him. And I pay, uh, the map I ended up on actually was a. Uh, I start on elevated well, on a building, and so do they. So I just move Modoc up with those hydra agents or those uh, aim agents with hydra, and you look down and you start blasting people. Nice. You then, ended up getting outranged by one though. Remember? Magne- yeah, that was what wrecked me. Magneto. Yeah. It was the promotable Magneto in the really stylish disco suit, the giant M on the front. Um, the yeah, house, he, that's the House of M Magneto yeah. suit. He's awesome. He he tore me up. Mark um, Silvestri did the artwork for that. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Phil. The Modoc <laughs> the Modoc team is Modoc, an AIM agent, an AIM renegade, and, oh, and Batrox, who's an awesome oh, piece. Batroc. I love Batrox so much. And then uh, the second team I played was the Villains for Hire. Which yeah, was it was a little good. I want to note Austin picked the Villains for Hire after we all talked about I how stupid see, it was. I wanted to see how broken it was. Yeah, wow, that doesn't sound I'm like sure. Austin at all. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. I plead the fifth. Let's get into some news. Um, if you want to follow along with us on our news, you can go to hcrealms.com and heroclicks.com. That's where most of these official spoilers are coming from. I'm going to link uh, most of these in the descriptions for the podcast and in the notes. The first thing they spoiled this week was a big one. It was the Excalibur team base. And pretty much sounds like general consensus is that everybody really likes it. Um, let's bring up the picture here of its special abilities. So we're not going to go through every click it has because it's a team base that has a million. But we'll go over its special abilities. For the most part, it has a lot of running shot and pulse wave. It has a lot of range stuff. Yeah. It kind of, But it does have some hits of charge here and there. Um, they have a special movement ability called Cross Time Caper. They have phasing, and when another character uses prob, the dice are re-rolled twice. And then you choose the result from among those two rolls. So that's going to help you on your turn and their turn. Um, that's a really awesome ability. Yeah, that I, like that I kind of overlooked it at first. What's their charge called? They're charged, chased by Nazi dinosaurs from another dimension. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's the whole reason I'd play this thing. <laughs> I don't um, need it any else. <laughs> so that phase, that prop control is actually really cool. So basically, if even on your even on your turn, it's going to help you a lot. Yeah. 
Well, the other thing about it that's kind of good, though, is, like, normally if you have two probs lined up and you prob once, okay, you hit a better attack. What if you would have probed that second time and hit a crit? You would have never known. So that allows you to just, like, double up instantly, check what both were going to be, and pick one. Yeah, it's basically giving you a double prob. Yeah, it, it's great. I love it. Their special attack ability is once per turn when they make an attack roll, if the result is lower than the click number of it of a target of the attack, modify that target's combat values by negative one until your next turn. Whoa, now, how many bolts do they have? They just have they have two bolts. Okay, so you could target two different people. Oh, modify that targets. Okay, never mind. Yeah, this right, right, right. But I don't really like this on a normal clicks figure. It's not going to be that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but I was thinking about on against other team against bases. Against other team bases, it's going to be good because they're and against colossals. Well, here's here's my question because it's going to happen. Technically, more if you pick a different starting line, the count starts at whatever it says, right? So if you start them lower down, they start at thirteen. So if you target someone that starts as a lower down value already. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. So, I would have to look that up. I'm not 100 percent yeah, sure. Yeah, I was just wondering because I was wondering about that when I first saw it. Because I mean, if that's the case, someone's playing a low end Justice League in a high point game or something. Yeah, that's a, that's a great. That's ability. true too. Especially when someone can make six attacks. Their damage ability, they can use perplex, but only to target themselves. When you do and choose a combat value, roll a d6. On a result of one, you modify the value negative one. On a result of four to six, you modify the value plus two instead. I think that's worth it. Yeah, fifteen percent versus fifty. Yeah, I mean, it's worth. Even if you get a two or three, you're still getting the normal perplex. Yeah. So what did you lose? So you really only have, like Austin said, like a sixteen, seventeen percent chance of, of failing. Um, their special character abilities, Captain Britain's, oh, is really good. If an action token would be given to Excalibur, instead no action tokens are given. When Excalibur takes damage after action resolve, roll a d6, turn the asset dial that many times to the left. Um, Mega gives them shape change, Nightcrawler gives them combat reflexes, mm-hmm. Phoenix lets their powers and abilities not be countered and gives them plus one damage, and Shadowcat gives them super senses. I like that a lot. It's good. Three out of their five makes them harder to hit. Yeah, and what I was going to bring up about this asset dial is what I said about the previous ones. I really like asset dials that have fun abilities and aren't just can use this, can use that, because it really brings out like the flavor of the team. They did a really good job with this one. Their special is the sword is drawn. They can use blades with close and range combat actions. Oh yeah, throwing a sword is just a great idea. And they don't hit super hard to to begin with. If you look at their dial, it's all fours and threes except for what like one click of five. Yeah. There, so I mean that blades can be useful in a lot of situations. Yeah. Um, nothing else special on them. The sculpt looks great. We looked at the sculpt last week. Now they also spoiled the actual characters. Oh, I guess while we're talking about the Excalibur team base, we should real quick talk about Lockheed, which I was yeah. actually more excited about than the team base. He's, he's pretty awesome. Lockheed yeah. comes with the team base, and he is a switch clicks. Um, he's set up the same way as the Flock of Bass, just a, a one-click long dial. Um, if you play him on the team base, he can't be used for solo adventure, but he does give the team the ability to use energy explosion with one bolt. So, I mean, really, I don't think he's to be used on the team base, honestly. I think he's a 16-point taxi 
That in, in that in and of itself is ridiculous. Not to mention he has the mystical keyword. And his, de- his damage ability is good if you play him right. And then if you play him with Kitty or Shadow Cat, um, whenever she is chosen as a target of an attack, roll a d6. On a 5 to 6, you give her plus 2 defense until your next turn. That's a free action. He also has a 19 defense from range. And mystical teams need taxis. Oh, yeah. But I, I would they just need like, movement, period. They don't have a lot of willpower, and they don't have a lot of movement attack. I, I was going to bring up that the damage power is really good because usually Kitty Prides and Shadow Cat figures are Already. taxi. They're usually either kind of a form of taxi or they're tie up pieces. So yeah, I was going to say, they're usually hard to hit to begin yeah. with. So, like, you bring him in there with her, and then either they have to focus on him and waste an attack on him yeah. just to be able to try to hit her. And he's got an energy shield. They also spoiled the actual figures from off of the base, and we'll go through them real quick. Shadow Cat, who is a common in the set, so you'll be able to pull her in sealed a lot. She has no special abilities. She does ignore elevated hindering and blocking on movement. She is a transporter, and she's basically a tack, like Austin just said, a taxi who's hard to hit. She has a lot of super senses and some shape change. She's got a good attack bottom dial, though. Yeah, she has precision strike with a 10 and a 9 on her last couple clicks. She's moving attack, too. Yeah, so she's got ways to get through dampeners. Um, Phoenix is the one I'm more excited about because I wanted a Rachel Gray, period. But she's not in a trench coat. She is a super rare. No, she's not in a trench coat, but I'll settle for this. <laughs> she's 154 points, 8 clicks long, no endom. She, but she has 8 range with running shot and penetrating. I like that. And, That's pretty good. Um, she also has a damage power that is outwit and shape change. She can use outwit normally, or may, she may choose a power and counter that power on all opposing characters within range and line of fire. You know what I call that? An outwit outwit. Because then your whole opposing team just loses all their outwit. Um, yeah, t- t- take, yeah down the deep, take down the invul off of three pieces. Yeah, or if you're playing Aaron's all-Thor team, there goes all his <laughs> Super strength. You could, there, there's so many ways, like... A team that has like a consistent choice of abilities or something, you could really screw them over. With. I was thinking, choose um, Endom and take away the, all their Endom, but, but you can't. Yeah, you can't do that because yeah, it says I thought power. That too. So the reason I like her a lot, and I think she's really worth her points, is the first three clicks you keep her ranged at max range with the eight. Um, she has running shot and penetrating, but then after she gets hit for a few, she goes on to charge, poison, and prob with super senses. So, and then her last couple clicks, she has precision strike with a ten. So she's a really, really good attacker, period. Primary or secondary in big games. Um, she also has good keywords, too, with the X-Men keyword. Star Chambers. And Excalibur. And oh, yeah, Future. her keywords are great. Yeah. So she's a super rare. And then the three figures that are going to be on the actual base. base are Captain Britain, who... I'll let you guys talk about him. I'm not really feeling him. I don't think he's, he's all that great. I like him not, but... I mean, like he's got a he's got a good choice of keywords right off the bat. I mean, anyone with Avengers, of course, is good. He's a little expensive for what he does, but his trade alone, if he's on his half of the map, basically, he gets plus one to all his combat values, which brings him up to that one ten. Like he, I don't, I don't like that ability in like, because it gives my opponent a choice kind of, and you never want to give your opponent options. You want to give yourself options. Yeah, you're restricting yourself with that. But if you could find a way to play around that and keep everything on your side of the map. Um, I don't know, like a stealth team throwing stuff down range with him or something. But, like, he, pretty usual, he'd be a great belt target. I mean, like, he's eight, eight clicks long for yep. 110. No end on, but he's got solid values. Um, he's got a good plus one ability, and his 
His damage ability isn't bad either. It's he can use leadership when he does and removes an action token from a friendly character that shares a keyword. That character can use willpower. That's See, it. that's the reason I didn't like him was because of the le- the leadership ability. Because it's when he does and removes an action token, so he doesn't have to just hit it. They also ha- he also has to take an action token off of him. If you took an action token off of him. There's a 50-50 chance they don't even need yeah. the willpower in yeah. the first place. What I was going to bring up, though, is the only thing I could see that really being used for is um, with a character that takes double power actions. Yeah, like, there's got to be something to team up with it somewhere in the set. Um, I don't think they would make an ability that's that locked in unless there was a reason. Um, and the other thing is, is it just this turn? Oh, it is only this turn. If it was until your next turn, it would stop end caps from taking extra damage, but... He does get hypersonic for a couple clicks there. Yeah. Um, but his attack values drop down to eights on the last two clicks. He's got the Simon effect. For he years. is the three clicks of close combat expert. Yeah. Oh yeah. He he's not like a spectacular piece. He's a, he's an interesting one. Like he's one that I'll come back to. Eventually. He's not bad. I yeah. sh- well, he's I mean, a must if you're gonna have Excalibur. Oh yeah. 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 His, well, yeah like even just for his team ability, ability alone. alone. Not only that, but I mean, he's he was kind of the core. One of the core characters of that. He's Excalibur, pretty yeah, much. Um, Megan, I want to like, but I don't quite... With my luck rolling, I would not get much <laughs> out of her. Um, she's a Mystic. She's 90 points. No Endom with six clicks. Everything for her is all about her trait. She can use Shape Change when she doesn't succeed. Choose one to last until the end of your next turn. So if you yeah. think about this, if you hit it twice in a row, you're going to get two of these at the same oh, going yeah. at the same time. The choices are: she can use Imperv and Super Senses, she can use Battle Fury and Blades, or she can use Penetrating, uh, or can use Psychic Blast as if she had a range of five. However, if you hit Battle Fury and the Pen, it's kind of canceling each other out. But right, um, I, I like her. I mean, like she's not like amazing. But she's a 90-point mystic, which is always great with yeah, she's the mystic. Flurry top dial. She yeah. can fly. Um, I, I'm going to bring up the thing I usually say. I don't like random pieces when I'm trying to be competitive. Exactly. You don't want to take those kind of options away from yourself. That's what I'm saying. If, if you hit your roll like 20% of the time, yeah. she's not worth 90 points. She's not worth 70 points. If you're hitting it half the time, I feel like she's definitely worth their points. Well, her opening movement's only a 7, which kind of limits her ability as a taxi, as a she's, flyer. She's a fun book piece. Yeah, she she's a flavorful piece. Yep. Sculpt looks good, too. No, I oh, mean, yeah. she's a fun piece that you could use with the book. Oh, with the book of the skull. Yeah, oh, that is true. I thought you meant from the comics. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the one everybody wants to talk about. Yeah. Nightcrawler. Oh, boy, here we go. Drew, what do you, we were just talking about Nightcrawler earlier. What do you think about him? I think that he's not as good as Web Spider-Man Nightcrawler, but you shouldn't be bringing those expectations onto the table. That in the is first absolutely <laughs> right. Don't get mad just because he's not get, top ten hero. I'm going to cuss. Get time. that shit out of here. <laughs> um, he can carry and can carry two characters if they share a keyword with him. But the problem is when he goes through or when he moves, he may ignore a wall or square of blocking terrain. If he does, after actions resolve, deal him unavoidable damage equal to the number of characters he carried this turn. So if you're not carrying anybody, you're not going to take any damage. But he gets, but he gets blades. That's on only if he player. ignores a square of walls. That's only if he ignores it. It's not just for carrying them in the first place. So yeah. I don't think that's that big of a negative. He has 10 hypersonic with a 10 attack and 3 damage. That's not bad. He's still going to be able to get in and out. You know, he ignores hindering and elevated. He's still going to be able to get in and out. You know, like the old Nightcrawler's just 
he doesn't have the defense that the old Nightcrawler had. I do want to bring up some really cool thing about this figure. His click three is probably my favorite. It's a ten blade sidestep exploit. You could use his teleport, teleport through a wall on purpose to drop him onto that click when you land. And then just blast somebody with a really good blades exploit. His defense ability is energy shield and super senses. Uh, which does give him a 19 with super senses. I I feel like he should have shape change on a click or two, and then he would be he'd be perfect. I kind of wish he yeah. had X Men team ability, but that's true. He doesn't have any team abilities at all, which does suck. It's supposed to shape change as a trait. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be Excalibur Nightcrawler, so I guess that's why. But. Yeah, he does have sword, and he does have some blades, which is good. A lot and of people wanted that. And he's got exploit like his whole dial, starting on click three and all. Yeah, actually, he really. Does. So he's he's a good piece, but he's not as good as everybody was expecting. His sculpt makes up for any point lack that he could have because yeah. his sculpt looks awesome and he's also going to be supposedly going to be an LE version of him with the Uncanny X-Force version. Right? It's, it's the AOA version. It's the OP. Yeah. What are you going to say, Drew? How is this piece not playable is my opinion. He's I mean, playable. I think people were just wanting another They were wanting well, a broken Web of Spider-Man. Don't play Web of Spider-Man Nightcrawler. Um, you know, traditionally, I think most of the team-based figs that came... With team bases didn't have a TA or a built-in team. Yeah, that's true. Megan looks to be the exception. Yeah, that's because I'm thinking off the top of my head. I don't. The I think the Teen Titans both both of those team ones did. Uh, Phil Phil. The outlaws have outsiders. Phil does bring up a good point here because other uh, than that, I don't think they really do. After Teen Titans, they gave us ATAs for almost every single one of the team bases. That didn't have team abilities. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we could be looking at an Excalibur TA, ATA that plays really well with that Captain Britain's ability. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those. I ways. wouldn't doubt it because they did just spring a butt ton of those ATAs yeah, on us all out, out of the blue. So, maybe they are going to start keeping up with ATAs, which would be awesome cause yeah, because I as mean, many options as you can get to team build, you know, the more options, the better. Um, they spoiled another classic Batman piece it's Catwoman. She's got an interesting ability, doesn't she? She, okay, so this this is the first piece that showed us. I'm assuming this is a mechanic that's going to be on some of the villains in this set. And the mechanic is called Elaborate Death Trap. It's its own mechanic that is that is solo to the set, kind of like how grenades are for Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Elaborate Death Trap. At the beginning of your turn, you roll two d. Okay, well, I should I should do the other part first. Give Catwoman a power action to make a close combat attack that deals no damage. Once per game, immediately place a hit character on this character's card. A character on this card can use the escape death trap ability. So basically, only once per game you're getting a kind of quasi-capture ability. But the thing is, the person that you capture gets a chance to get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, to get out, they at the beginning of their turn, they roll 2d6... And Catwoman rolls a d6. And she adds her d6 to her uh, death trap bonus. A maximum bonus of 8. If Catwoman is friendly, not on the map, or if your result is higher than, than her total, then you get your character back either in your starting area or adjacent to a friendly character. Otherwise, you deal this character damage equal to the difference, maximum of 5. Now that's a little silly in my opinion. It's a lot of work for what it does. I do want to bring up <laughs> one thing that keeps that keeps getting brought up in the rules though. Uh, people keep asking if white power counts as a, as a color and it does not for this power. Um, they've had an orange clarify that. 
um, in, ca in case you guys are wondering. So it's only colored powers. Um, it's a lot of work for a little bit of damage. Yeah. I didn't read her special. So basically that's almost a trait. I'm assuming that they're each going to have. Hers um, gives hers is called Giant Magnifying Glasses. Catwoman can use the elaborate death trap ability, and the bonus is equal to the number of different colored powers Sorry. showing on her and the target's dial. Yeah, I didn't mean to jump on that. One that's really. a that's a big bonus that's going to be hitting a, yeah. often though, because looking at her click. Oh, so you said white's not going to count. White doesn't count. Okay, so let's say she usually has two, and let's say the other person would normally have two. Yeah. So that's going to give her a plus four on her dice roll. Yeah, sorry, I totally jumped the gun. I thought that was part of these. So it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be a little tough to get out of the death trap. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I don't like the mechanic in that it takes you so long to sit and read all that crap and to do it. <laughs> like it's just I don't like it. It's it's one of those things where it's a lot of flavor and it's an interesting idea. I feel like they tried to do something interesting and it didn't they could work have out simplified that way. it a little bit. Yeah, they yeah. wanted to like capture the feel of the show with the ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Meow. Um, <laughs> Gosh. She has a special attack ability called Eow. When, <laughs> when Catwoman resolves a close combat action, place a Yao token on this card. Give her a power action if no friendly Tinkerbell the ti Tiger token is on the map, <laughs> and remove the Yao token to place her place the tiger adjacent to Catwoman. So if we look at the, the token, the it's actually right. Good, here. Actually. Token's good. It's kind of like the lion from Craven. It has the wing symbol. Don't ask me why. I just realized that. that might <laughs> what? Be someone, someone explained that before, and I completely forgot why. Okay, so it's a flying tiger. With a jetpack. <laughs> it's a jetpack cyborg tiger <laughs> with charged blades and toughness. But it does have a base, too, also. It has 14 defense, though. Um, That's pretty low for a tiger. I don't know how I feel about this piece. It's 60 points. Even just for tie-up, I guess it's okay. It's my turn to say what you guys said to me last week. What? This set is goofy. Like, it's just one of those sets you're not really supposed to take competitively seriously. I think that Batman and Robin are pretty competitive. Uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm playing Catwoman at Worlds. Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm sitting across the table and you say E-Yow when you drop that bystander token. I might just get up and walk away. <laughs> oh, and I win. I'm going to wink at him. Hell yeah. oh, if he winks at me, I'm heading back to his hotel room. <laughs> so, and it just got gay. <laughs> Phantom X's dial got spoiled. Um, I wonder who wants to talk about this. I have no idea. Who could have the biggest like man crush? Oh, we'll just skip it then. <laughs> yeah, we'll no, just, we're no. not skipping it. <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about Phantom, this Phantom X. I like him. I think he's a Here good piece. Goes. I think he's worth his points. But I really, really wanted a misdirection power, like, like not his ability to dodge. I want him to have some kind of cool mind control power. Maybe we'll do him for a dial design um, contest in the future. But anyways, back to the one that they made. He has 142 points, which is pretty pricey for Phantom X. It's yeah. actually a lot more. Th I figured he would be around like a 90, 100 point piece. Um, the main way that he plays is his trait, Eva, which if you've read Uncanny X-Force, it's kind of his ship, but it's also a little more than that. I mean, it's kind of like an artificial intelligence that's almost a part of him. I don't, I don't want to get into it too much on the podcast. But when Phantom X has one action token and no friendly character named Eva is on your force, you can give him a free action and place an Eva bystander token on the map in an adjacent square. The bystander token has the flight symbol, 8 range or eight movement, 10 attack with a special attack ability. Friendly characters named Phantom X can use toughness, 
and may draw line of fire and count squares and range from EVA squares. So I'm really digging that. That's pretty good. So basically, let's say I have one token. I pop Eva out. She moves, and then I shoot from her without taking any risk at all. I could be back oh, yeah. in my starting area. Um, what's I'm sorry, Hunter. What's that on his first two clicks that he has that would play really well off that uh, sharpshooter? No, range combat expert. Oh, he yeah, and he also has running shot too and stealth. So you could run. Could you running shot back then shoot through her? He is really hard to hit because he top top two clicks. He has shape change and super senses and stealth. So would you say he's worth his points? Oh yeah. Um. So move, yeah, movement ability, running shot, shape change, stealth. He has sharpshooter, no indom. Um, he has a lot of reflexes down the next part of his dial, and some perplex, and a lot of precision strike. I think his power set is spot on. I don't. I just wish he had some kind of cool mind control power. I kind of think. Uh... As you said before, he's a little—he's a little like expensive for what I'd expect a Phantom X to be. I kind of wish they'd have shortened his dial a little bit and made him a lower point figure. Yeah, but he's a finesse piece. If you play with that Eva right, he's and like I said, he's going to be hard to take down. Yeah. I think he's worth it. He'll yeah. destroy. I—I I mean, like I don't know. Especially it's, if you give him Indom from the belt or something like that. I, I mean, we—we I mean, we say that all the time. I know. With uh, Weapon X and X Force, though, I kind of would like more lower point figures to build around than having a lot of expensive ones. Because, I mean, we already saw the Weapon X Cyber from this set, and he's got two expensive yeah. pieces. I'm happy with him. Cyber's garbage. You, you're garbage. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Cyber again. I like the Cracker. Welcome to the, the Cyber Hero Quicks podcast. Yeah, he's definitely oh, Deathlock, real quick, uh, another this was awesome. X-Force oh, yeah. piece that I was wanting that we got. <laughs> Deathlock and Deathlock Prime. I do want to point out when they spoiled the basic Deathlock, the first look on everyone's face is like, "Wow, that's kind of mad." Manhunter, the only thing they're missing is a team base, some sort of X Forcer. Guys, look, we've already had this <laughs> discussion. The people don't want to hear me spout the F word every two seconds. You know, what would be really cool is if Phantom X's asset dial gave him some sort of cool mind control power. <laughs> Never gonna let him live it down, folks. <laughs> and I advise everyone else to do the same. <laughs> you see Hunter at Gen Con, let him know about that X Force team base. So, Hunter, if you win worlds, you're gonna design an X Force team base. I wonder if they would let you do that, if you could design your own team well, base. Well, Hunter just entered worlds. Whoever, <laughs> whoever wins worlds, just ask him. I don't even care if you make one. <laughs> he does, he's lying. that. He wants you to make an X Force team base. If you make an. X Force team base. I'll do some things to you that I cannot mention on the air. <laughs> okay, I finally got him pulled up big enough for us to read here. Um, this is the Prime version. He has a trait: the first time each game, an opposing character would be KO'd by Deathlock's attack. Instead, turn them to their last non-KO click. Now, that's interesting. It is really oh. so. Let's get into his. Uh, Dial as a whole is 154 points, eight clicks, pretty, and, and with Indom, so that and, and sharpshooter, so that in and of itself is pretty good. He also has precision strike on either oh, precision yeah. strike or energy explosion with very solid attack values. How many bolts does he just? His whole dial, yeah, just one bolt. Um, but he does have sharpshooter, so you can kind of pick pick on who you need to hit. To, you know, a little easier to hit. He also has a range combat expert as a range combat action, so that's why he is important. Yes. That's why he's a boss. Yes. 
This oh. is, as far as I can remember, this is the only guide they've ever made that can running shot and RCE. So you're you're talking running shot with a twelve and a three, or a eleven and a four, or a ten and a five. I want to point out my favorite thing about him: those keywords, son. Yes, those keywords. I mean, look, just... he's got some great ATA choices. You could go like fifteen different ways with this dude. Maximum carnage, shield, scientist. Shield one's awesome with his range attacks. Oh yeah, Wait, oh he's got scientist. Drew, there's another assassin figure. Oh, oh Marvel Knights, the non-killing assassin. So, basically, you're going to have to have him be your primary attacker and bust everybody up, but not kill them, because he has a no-killing protocol. Well, you don't even kill anyone in this game, you just knock them out. What's the base one look like, Hunter? I'm looking... Shut your mouth. He wouldn't be on the base anyways, honestly. He wasn't one of the main... No, I meant the non-prime one. Oh, I'm looking... I thought you meant on the... Phil's got a nice little picture here that looks pretty good. Okay, we got uh, the other Deathlock pulled up here. He's, he looks like a bag of Skittles, a traditional. He does look like a bag of Skittles. I like him though. Ninety-seven points. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, Six range, sharpshooter, endom, penetrating, stealth, and psychic blast on the top click. Then he has a couple clicks of running shot, energy explosion. He can abuse his robot keyword. Did you say he has sharpshooter? Robot. Yeah, he does have sharpshooter. Robot, X Force, and future. So he's pretty solid too. Stealth. So that is the inside. common prime. Because he's only number eleven, so he's going to yeah, be the common, common prime. prime. Yeah. So pretty happy with both of those two. Man, stealth sharpshooter pinside, dude. I'm just saying. That's, that's it for that's the X-Men spoilers we got this week. Um, we did get no dials, but a couple pictures of the X-Men of the um, sorry, Iron Patriot. No, 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 Detroit Steel. Sorry, Detroit sorry, Detroit Steel, Iron Man. And absorbing and man. absorbing man, which we were really wanting an absorbing man with the oh, uh, fear yeah. itself and coming that out. That sculpt's great. No, we all the sculpts great. look great. This is like what Mark two, II, Mark three, like yeah. an old school looking. Yeah. Back before he had sleeves. Not the. <laughs> it's Iron Man, but like the first suit he had right after Silver. Like yeah. so, it's like Mark two II or three. Absorbing Man also looks sick. So does Grey Goth too. Um, absorbing Man's got like that whole concrete arm and the brick leg, and I don't really know what's going on with that other leg. If well, it's just his bottoms. His and then garb. you oh, have the giant that. Detroit Steel, which if anybody's read Invincible Iron Man, um, they're kind of the main. They're the main subject of one of the biggest arcs in that, yeah. si- America. In that series. Did, did America. They, did they just paint red, white, and blue over Pacific Rim clicks and go, here's Detroit Steel? It really I does. Say, I was going to say he looks like a Hulkbuster. No, he does look like a Pacific Rim um, one of the soldier guys. <laughs> Especially because he has a chainsaw on yeah, one I think arm. they've just gotten really good at making robots. <laughs> Their new sculpts have been great. Oh, I um, know. Yeah, we were looking at the Pacific Rim sculpts today, and they are all excellent. Oh, Bioshock came out great. Um, That's it for the spoilers. There's one thing I wanted... We didn't... We mentioned it last week, but we didn't actually talk a whole lot about it. But a guy at SDCC got a really close-up picture of the Spider-Man and his amazing friend's team base. Yeah. You cannot see a team... Sorry, a set symbol on it. Um, It's... They were saying it's going to be either a con exclusive or a promotional thing or something like that. Supposedly, the guy who took the picture was talking in Realms, and he said he asked the worker at the booth, and they said that it's from an unannounced upcoming set. So maybe it'll be from a future Marvel set. I wonder if they're going to do, like, some sort of, like, classic characters one. Kind of like the Batman 50 or whatever set. It's a 2x2 team base. It's not a full one. 
Oh, like a classic TV for Marvel? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, oh, all that's the Fire Hulk. Hulk. Well, because oh. the animated, all the animated uh, Marvel shows. The dogs are movable. I just want to bring up that fact. Yeah, the <laughs> dog is that. the dog is also <laughs> Miss Lion. Um, the team is based off of the cartoon of the 1980s cartoon. Yeah, which is terrible. It's Yeah, it is you terrible. Well, so is Batman, the classic TV series. <laughs> <laughs> it's Spider-Man, Firestar, Iceman, and Miss Lion. Um, so, who knows if it really is from an... Maybe it is some kind of con exclusive or something. I guess only time's gonna tell. The sculpts look pretty good. Oh, I know. I mean, like, and I like the whole, like, half-constructed building in the background he's hanging on. So. It's great. So yeah, another Iceman. Yeah, another Iceman. That's it for official um, spoilers, but a lot of sets and other things have come out over the last, like, week and a half. It's... What? Shuttlecraft? Oh, I forgot. My bad. We got two Star Trek pieces that I just saw. Just they're they're tiny. Ago. Like they're easy to miss. Thanks, I promise I wasn't trying to accidentally skip over them real quick. I was. Uh, Austin. I'll see. Yeah, there's Uh-oh. this. Uh, what's what's a federation? <laughs> Um, the first shuttle is the, the they uh, spoiled two basic common shuttles. Um, the first one's called the Einstein. It's got the Federation keyword and team ability. Um, phasing teleport energy shield and it's um, it's got a special damage power um, called dispatching support engineers it can use support but can only heal a maximum of two damage when it uses support and rolls doubles it may remove an action token as well from a ship that is healed um, it's only 25 points it's an interesting little 25 point medic um, and given how the pieces tend to be like intervals of 25-50 in these sets it can fill out a team really nicely. Yeah, I wish it was legal for a regular because I'd use it for a medic for 25 points with... Oh, it's tiny. Yeah, it's, it's tiny, tiny size. Phil, Phil just pointed that out. You yeah. medic that you carry around with you. Yep. Oh, I know. I mean, like that's a great piece. I wish I could use this in regular clicks. Oh, I know. And then, <laughs> it's uh, pretty good. Nothing like a 25-point proper keyword. I don't think we announced who that was. It's Einstein. I don't remember yeah. if it's there or not. Okay, and then Sakharov. Which is another Federation um, team ability keyword. Its attack ability is planting whole mines. Can use incapacitate. When it does, roll a D6, and if you roll 6, deal 1 damage to the target. Eh, I like I like the PCs. Another interesting 25-point shuttle. Tiny, of course, again. Um, it, it's kind of like a little 25-point tie-up piece because it gets combat reflexes on its top dial. So, like, you run it in, and then you just sit there and keep trying to in-cap and keeping your opponent An 18 defense from... For Close 25 combat, yeah. for twenty five points isn't shabby. Yeah, it's got no damage, but, I mean, it's not bad for 25 points. And Riker's the captain. Does the other one have in down, too? Riker is the captain. Riker, Riker's the captain. Who is Riker? Riker's, like, oh the manliest man ever. He's number two. What's a captain? <laughs> or number one. Whatever he is. Hunter, get out of here. What get is, out of here. We're, we're commandeering this. <laughs> what is hero clicks? Um, all right. Now, for the fourth time, that's all the official spoilers <laughs> we've gotten this week. But what about Damn it? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about that. Um, like I said, a lot of sets have come out in the last week and a half. We got the Bioshock, the X-Men Gravity Feed, and the Kick-Ass. K-A. We're going to go over K-A. the... Oh, excuse me, the K-A-2. The K-A-2 set. <laughs> Um, We're really excited about the KA2 set here. We're going to go over first the Wolverine and the <laughs> X-Men. The mother lover. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast over. The Wolverine and the X-Men gravity feed looks excellent. I, I There's say a lot this, of good pieces. This is probably the best gravity feed I've ever seen. It is definitely one of the best ones we've had for a while. Um, anybody have any favorites out of them that they want to talk about? Shadowcat. I like right. the cyber. Talk about Shadowcat for us, Phil. All right. <clears throat> Let me... Quickly bring it up real quick. 
Here, it's right here. Oh yeah. Can you see? <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Okay. My my favorite thing was the keywords as well. Again, I'm a big Shield fan. Um, she is 70 points. She has the phasing, teleport, and stealth. A white box throughout her whole dial. She flies. And um, her my favorite thing is her disruption, which is Shadow Cat can use incapacitate. When Shadow Cat is given a move action after actions resolve, she can use incapacitate as a free action to make a close combat attack. And she targets all opposing characters occupying a square she moved through that have armor, robot, or vehicle keywords. No. Which we've seen, there are several, like a lot of Weapon X, yeah. X Force figs that have the robot keyword. Or so the next time Austin armor. busts out that stupid Ultron drones team, I don't you know what you're talking you about. You just play your, your Shadow Cat and you face through 10 of them, some bitches. She also starts off, her first three clicks have the outwit, the last two have perplex, and she's, she's pretty hard to hit, too. Yeah, 18 from close combat for the first two clicks, and then she has super senses for, with 17. For how many 16. points there, Phil? Yeah, and again, for 70, and with the face teleport, and you're moving through all those people, that's fantastic. I think she's good. Oh, she she's a really good tech. Especially keyword. with Colossus. Especially the shield keyword. Colossus, who um, but who works with her. He's 169 points, mm-hmm. 8 clicks with a really beefy mm-hmm. dial. He has a trait called My Dear Katya. Jason Friendly's named Kitty or Shadow Cat modified defense plus 1. So not only that, now you're making her a 19 from close combat, and she's carrying him into the fray to smack some bitches in the face. He's got defend with an 18 on his top click. That's not too shabby either. So now you're making Kitty a 21 yeah. from melee. I don't know it's ridiculous. And an invincible. Defend and invincible. And he's hitting for 11 attack on his first two clicks with a 4 damage. Plus he has flurry on his second click. So it's maybe even worth pushing him onto flurry, super strength, 4 damage. 8 clicks at 169. I'm like, okay, that's pr- that's a decent dial for 169. Then you realize that's invincible on the top click, and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, he, he also picks up defend and invincible again on clicks 4 and 5 with a 17 defense. So you're not killing... He's not going down quick unless you got some tons of outwit to waste on him. He's not going down. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, he has the switch clicks with the red yeah. base, so it makes him look even more BA. Oh, Here he's got defenders. <clears throat> We mean oh keyword yeah yeah, yeah. and he also has Excalibur so you can give him defend the rest of his dial with other defenders I love um, the alternate switch clicks with the with they've been yeah. since Teen Titans and with this set Drew do you have one or two in particular you like um I really like the Wolverine he's pretty pretty good solid one thirteen he can use blaze call of fangs if the result of the die is lower than his printed damage value instead of dealing damage he may take another close to combat attack against the same character. Um, that sucks though, because then you have to try to hit them again and deal with their super senses. That's not a free action. Can you do whatever. that repeatedly as long as you keep ending up lower? It's not. It is a free action though. We'll is look it? it up. If the result of the yeah, he can use blade plus things as the result of printed damage instead of dealing damage, you may make. And no, it just says another close combat. Attack. Yeah, you might be able to. We'll look it up. Never ending loops. Yeah, because that's that's actually a lot better if you can. Um, he has Indom. Yeah, he's. What about that trait there, Drewster? He can use regeneration and toughness. Oh, traded regen. That's not ridiculously good or anything. <laughs> now, best thing, bringing us, bringing us back to the old golden age days of our uh, special abilities. We could pay for twelve points. You used to be able to get free action re- or yeah, free action regen. Yeah, he's got that. Uh, what's he got there, Drew? <laughs> what does he have? He might have what the next. At the. Oh, it's the beginning. Oh. 
<laughs> this makes for some good radio. Aww, it's not cool. His last two clicks, he can use uh, regen as a free action at the beginning so of your turn. He gets the old auto regen trait, or auto regen feat from Golden Age um, for free on his last two clicks. And he's gonna, a, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I'll just say, and he's probably my favorite revert for the fear itself, Wolverine. Is uh, where you hit what is it? Click five, or is he at five? Yep. He's at the free region. That puts him <laughs> right on the free region. Not only that, but he has a, he's utilizing both his white boxes. An eleven attack. But you wouldn't be able to region it. once you switched. Yeah, because that's considered his new starter. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's but um, I would like to point out once again, and this is true through all these gravity feats, their keyword selection is ridiculous. You got Avengers Weapon X. You've got X Force. You've got X Men. Well, that's how it should be, though. Yeah. There should be a lot of keywords on figures, and they're this, just now starting to get their crap together. I want to take this Wolverine and put him in his X Force version. That'd be cool. Don't you bring up Static's name? He's not even a teenager, honey. Anybody else in specific before I go over mine, Drew? Anybody? Um, let's see. Here. You want to talk about Deathstrike? You do like? I already her? talked about her. Um. That's true. We did go over Lady Deathstrike already. We, we kind of what about uh, all over Hunter? Are, are we? What, what could you possibly be talking about, Hunter? My my two favorites. Number one, the absolute by far best piece in this gravity feat is the Shi'ar style ever. The Shi'ar guard. Not only is it looking fabulous, but it has twenty seven <laughs> points. It's only twenty seven points. Charge, super strength. 10 attack and 2 base damage, so 4 with an o- heavy object. And its damage ability is a minion power. When when she she are man, why am I so tongue tied today? When she are guard is within 8 squares of a higher point character with the she are keyword, it can use willpower and plus 1 defense. So these things are basically cheaper Amazons. Yeah, they're great filler for when they spoil the Imperial Guard team base. Like, yeah. They're going to be great filler alongside that because their thing will trigger off and of a... With that being said, if you guys have been thinking about not buying this gravity feed and everything else we've said have not convinced yeah. you to, this is the only place you can get the Shi'ar Guard. You, they're not... from As of right now, they haven't been released. For good spoiled reason. in the set. And these are amazing generics and support pieces. I'm wondering if they... Because usually the gravity feeds do show up. I'm wondering if they do show up what they're going to be on the main set side too. I wonder if they'll be yeah. a ranged piece. Because usually they flip, they do one melee and mm-hmm. then gravity feed in a range. Um, My second favorite is Jean Grey. I think people are kind of sleeping on this piece a little bit. It's not that flashy, but it's just excellent for your team as a whole. It's 100 points. Hell, you could heck, you could even use her for your primary attacker. She has mm-hmm. running shot. Uh, when she does, her speed value is not decreased by the carry ability, and she may carry up to three characters if they share a keyword with her. And with enhance on top with, of that? A penetrating psychic blast, eight range, two bolts, seventeen energy shield, and three damage. Like I also said, with enhance, so she has enhance and support sprinkled in on her dial. She has energy shield the whole time, and she has psychic blast and TK the whole time. She has that running shot carry for the first couple, then mind control, then force blast. I love her. She's got X factor. She's really. I'm gonna keep her at max range. I'm gonna carry my guys, my X Men, in when they need to heal. And not only carry him in, but also be able to blast I like away. The sculpt. The sculpt looks really cool. I think she's excellent. It, she would be the best if it weren't for the Shi'ar. You know what my favorite piece out of this is, Hunter? What's the that? Multiple Man. The multiple Man we've been talking about all day. He's so sick. I love him for 54 points. He's great. I mean, like, he, he's got a trait you shouldn't have hit me. 
He can use super senses. When he does and takes damage, after actions resolve, he may place a character named Multiple Man, Madrox, or Jammy Madrox of the same or lower point value on the map adjacent to him on the same click number. So if you damage one, if you damage this one particularly, you can just place another one right next to him, and you can just continue this on. And then uh, he's his uh, his movement ability is called Pile On. When multiple man is adjacent to one or more friendly characters named Madrox, Jamie Madrox, or multiple man, they can all use plasticity. And his dial, his dial is really good. He's got Mastermind, which is great for when you spawn those extra ones next to you. Um, he's got Leadership, in which he's 54 points, which puts him slightly above some of the other versions. Um, he's got Willpower on a second click, and uh, Empower, which once again you have Madroxes next to you swinging in. Perplex. Um, perplex. Um, and then he drops all the way down a Regen on the bottom dial. He's a cool piece. I mean, you slap him for you slap him twice, and you get through his super senses, and boom, you have two more figures next to you, and you can regen on next turn all the way back up and start over. Again. They also have X Men TA, so they can heal each other back up. Um, Fallen Angel. Basically, I mean that plus the plasticity, and along with his keywords, he's providing excellent tie up for Hydra Shield X Core and, and X Factor teams. I didn't even now. check his keywords, and the sculpt the sculpt is easily one of my favorite sculpts. We've been so. talking about trench coats. This oh, guy's got a pretty slick looking trench coat. He's going to be a great conversion piece. Every piece is pretty good. You're not going to, if you buy even one booster, you're going to be happy. I yeah, think. Get, I mean, like, pick up a few of this guard feed. Oh, well, one of my top tens was Toad that I wanted and we got an actual dial for him. 67 points. That's a little expensive for a tie-up piece, but he is pretty good tie-up uh, piece. His trait kind of makes him worth the For one, he has traded leap climb and sidestep, so he's yeah. going to tie up whoever the heck you want him to tie up. <laughs> um, he has... A 19 from melee on his top click, and then an 18 for the next couple of clicks with water poison movement. and exploit. Yeah, and he can move through water. So this is, a, I mean, he's. I he's, don't quite know if he still is worth 67 points. He does have brotherhood, so he's going to be able to leap climb and, and jump around without messing up your actions. His, but his dial's a little wild for me. Like it's like he has a power, then he doesn't, then he has it, then he doesn't, and then like white for the bottom like half of it. Kind of, but it's yeah. just not like... He has an all-white click, so... Yeah, he has an all-white click. Um, He's okay for 67. I've got a player just because I wanted him really bad. Yeah. Once again, good book piece. Yeah. Six of the gravity feet, is, guys. Is so this going to be catch clicks? Yeah, let's, let's talk about this cyber. Phil, why don't, why don't you... We are this? so tired of talking about cyber, Phil. We're going to make you talk about him. I love him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let me get up in here real fast. So... Let's see, the Cyber from his, starting off at 167 points, Adamantium Enhanced, uh, that's his, one of his traits. Cyber can use Regeneration and Super Strength. When he uses Regeneration, subtract 3 from the D6 instead of 2, but his minimum result is 1, so, <coughs> I, I mean, that's a really cool I trait. I mean, like, and we were just talking about how good traded Regen is, and we always bring up how Regen is one of our least favorite powers sometimes, because it's too risky. Like, there's some figures you should just never use it on, and it's the vast majority. It's so luck-based. Well, Having the minimum one's at least nice. It's very situational. Yeah. If, if you're off by yourself, then it's worth doing it. But, yeah. un- like, visions are a pain in the butt to kill. I've played two specific tournaments I can think of in my head where it's me and a couple guys against a vision who seem to always have phasing and regen on their last couple <laughs> clicks, and you can never kill the SOBs because oh they just phase away and then regen, and regen. Then they come back. That Chaos War marquee vision comes to mind. But yeah, typically regen <laughs> isn't really worth it, but having minimum result of one is 
pretty much always going to be worth it. What about that second trait there? His second trait... Uh, go ahead, Phil. Oh, psionic tracking. Uh, when an opposing character takes damage from Cyber's attack, place a psionic tracking token on its character's card, and if it does not have one already, or or if it does not have one already, Cyber modifies this attack value by plus two when targeting a character with a psionic tracking token. And that's good because it's it doesn't powerful. it doesn't make you remove it either. A lot of powers that yeah. do that make you take the token to- <laughs> take the token off. He's gonna always get that plus two attack against you once he hits you. And then uh, his attack ability is he can use Blades, Claws, Fangs if the result of the D6 roll is lower than his printed damage. Instead of dealing damage, he may use Mind Control as a free action targeting the hit character. Yeah. In combo with that psionic tracking, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. I mean, like, it's not great, but I could see some fun stuff with him. He's a piece that I look at... Initially, I don't like him. He's <laughs> expensive, and Netflix. he has blades. And if I'm paying 167 points for a piece, I want it to dish out guaranteed damage. But he's so kind of all over the place that I kind of am going to hold out my... You know, the jury's still he's, out on him until we've used him a few times and decide whether he's really yeah. worth it or not. I can't judge him, really, by just by looking at him. Well, once again, I'm going to bring up my usual. He, he would be a good belt target to me. Um, he ends on 167, which means you can throw a 13-point belt on there for an even 180. It would give him the end dom he needs to push to regen or whatever if he wants to. Um, he's not, uh, don't get me wrong, I, uh, he's not an amazing piece. He's, he's alright, and I feel like I could play him with some fun stuff, some good relics, whatever, and I, I could I could enjoy this piece. He's much better in the main set one. And real quick, we'll go through Havoc, who is, we went, actually, we already talked about him on our very first um, episode, but I think he's an excellent piece. Running shot with four damage, sharpshooter, energy explosion. Um, he's a wild card, but can only use TAs if friendly characters have a keyword with him. He has energy shield and toughness, his, almost his whole dial. He's a good piece. Yeah, he's solid. Um, so that's all of the Wolverine and X-Men gravity feed. Now the big... We actually just played with and just talked about Bioshock pieces. The whole Bioshock set came out. The sculpts for Bioshock turned out excellent. Oh man, like there's a few of those, like the uh, the big robot guy that has like the giant hands. Handyman. Yeah, the handyman. Oh my gosh, mechanized that's patriot. Mechanized yeah. patriot. It, guys, <laughs> just it's the, George Washington. It's George robot. Washington <laughs> with the a freaking gun, Gatling gun. <laughs> and like U.S. or U.S. flags as wings almost streaming. Yeah. And it doesn't care. It's as big as the Pacific Rim clicks. Even better, it's got penetrating sacrifice. He just don't care. George don't care. He has traded running shot if he has no action tokens. He's a great piece. He has RCE for the last four clicks. He's a little expensive, but from what I saw when he was being used today, watching people use him, he was pretty... He was worth it. If you use him, I feel like he's an easy piece to misuse, though. Like, I do want to point that out. You kind of do have to think about him a little, especially with that trait. Position him on your first turn, clear him, and then on your third turn, just blast somebody who's not expecting him. So we're not going to talk about the every single piece individually, but we can talk about a couple like of our favorite pieces from it. We already talked about Slade a great deal. He's oh, the best gosh. overall piece. I don't want to go into too much on him. Uh, but honestly, you got to get a hold of a Slate. If, if you play, you know, indie or, you know, non-Marvel, non-DC clicks at all, get a hold of this Slate. He's only a common, and he is a boss. Phil's got a nice piece to show off over here, actually. <laughs> what you got, Phil? I thought Shock Jockey was definitely, I mean... It got, it got used against me today and almost screwed me up so bad. <laughs> Just seems very like a very fun piece to utilize. The uh, throwing sparks when it hits an opposing character with an attack. Opposing characters adjacent to the target are given action tokens. Like, 
That's fantastic. As I said, I had that whole balled up enhancement team. Yeah, it would have been good against Austin's enhancement yeah. guys. Um, I got the starter set. The maps are awesome. Um, it does come with a nice new PAC. That's a little like Phil oh, was telling me. It's a, it's yeah, it's a new PAC and it's a little more hard card stocky than the other PAC that they put out in uh, what was it, Man of Steel? Yeah, yeah. Um, the pieces aren't. There's no really excellent pieces, but the best one, in my opinion, is the freaking handyman. He is a house. 150 points, a trait of super strength, and when he has no action tokens, he can use TK as a free action, but only oh, to place an adjacent friendly character. That's what I was telling I you. I didn't catch the free action part. Yeah, I was, I was wondering why you were so I was so trying to tell Austin. Why would you not TK in Z- or Slate and then throw stuff down, Austin? I mean, that would just be That's what I told him. I said, ridiculous. you play a couple of the enhanced guys, you move them up, you free action TK Slate up with Handyman. You should have bolted the free action part. I, t- I, I said it. it. I'll bring up the Facebook <laughs> message right now. This handyman is, is awesome. And not only does he have that free action TK, Founder. but he's re- yeah, he has Founder's uh, TA. He has Charge and Leap Climb. And when he uses Charge after action to resolve, he may use Force Blast as a free action. He's got four um, generic keywords. He's got, <laughs> he's got Armor Brute, Monster, Robot. He's got eight clicks, a lot of Charge, Quake, and... Pretty solid. He has that traded super strength. You got to keep yeah. in mind. So he's hit. He's worth 150 points. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that was my standout out of the starter set. The other one that I thought was pretty good was the automated stallion. Uh, now, unfortunately, it doesn't have any of the named keywords. It just has animal, brute, and robot. It it's, has animal though. Yeah, it's 50 points. It has a trait <laughs> carry ability and may carry up to three friendly characters, and oh, that's not seven. with keywords. That's any three. Just for that fact alone, it's worth 50 points. Yeah. And it's decent tie-up, too. It has toughness for four clicks with 17. Uh, a 50-point taxi is always worth it, though, to me. Not only that, he gives uh, his movement ability is give him a free action and choose an adjacent friendly character. That character can use toughness until your next turn. So he carries three people, and he gives one of them toughness. Oh, I can think of some good combos for 50 with that points. Right at the gates. But Anyone that already has combat reflexes, super senses, you just step up the game even more. I thought he was pretty good. The Daisy and the Booker aren't too bad either, and the Elizabeth That's isn't too bad. Um, He's also animal. He has combat reflexes, you, super senses, the, give him toughness. Okay, now you're thinking Whoa. along the lines of what I'm thinking, and I was about to tell you that you could just give have Craven give him a free action, do that, and, carry and then three. carry three people, and then the horse can do it, go do something else or something. Listen, I don't know. listen to Drewster's big ideas over here. <laughs> um, Austin used the Commandants a lot oh, today. Man, I love those. Um, there is a misprint on their dial. I do want to point this out. Their, their special attack ability does not show up on their dial. Um, it's on their first, fourth, and fifth clicks, which is it shows up as white on there. Um, they're ridiculous. Their their trait is them and adjacent friendly characters ignore the effects of hindering train on line of fire. Um, I've brought up before. Range teams have a big problem with stealth, and that's like the big hard counter to them. Having the ability to give themselves and adjacent characters the ability to ignore hindering is huge for fifty points. And then their attack ability is if they make an attack roll and it's a six. An adjacent character can be given a uh, can be given a ranged combat attack as a free action. If or, if either dice rolled is is a six, yeah, so as long as six. one of your dice ends up being a six, and I mean like if that's you, if you miss or not. Yeah, it's just if you roll. So I mean like it, it's a great piece, and the energy explosion I got some use out of. They drop into running shot willpower, but the enhancement and that attack ability together, you're just throwing so many shots down range. 
when I had to play against them with uh, my Gears of War team, the problem I had was their ability to ignore hindering, and he had a really good map for it. It was like all hindering, and they were just sitting there chilling with their 17s plus their one for the 18, and and they're ignoring my. And then I'm hindering. throwing founders out there and yeah, plus he's one getting guy the founders time. for plus one attack. So um, I would combo them. Um, they work well with the founder soldiers from the set. I think they'd work really well if you had a good pin side character with them um, to be throwing at. Oh wait, it's a free attack, isn't it? Not free action. Um, it is a free make a ranged combat attack. Okay, so Pinsai wouldn't work. On the same target. Um, enhancement and a free attack to anyone adjacent, though, alone is good, especially one out of six on either dice. Anybody else got anybody in particular they really liked out of the set? Um, the turrets. The turrets were kind of cool. Um, basically, like, I'm, I'm just going to sum them up. They both get a, a trait called Alarm. If someone within six squares on your team is hit with an attack... You put an alarm token, and whenever they attack, you can take any number of alarm tokens off to modify your attack or damage by one. So, I mean, they're really good when, like, I had a swarm team like that, and, like, they were constantly getting picked off. The turret would build up, and my opponent wouldn't realize what was going on, and then when they got near, I'd just blast them. And the rocket one particularly gets penetrating energy explosion on the main target it hits. So you beef up its damage with the enhancement from the adjacent commandants, it ignores the hindering, and you just blast somebody. For forty-five points, I like I like Boy of Silence. I like Daisy, and I like um, the Siren is a pretty solid piece too. It's a it has no way of dishing damage, but it has a cool damage ability. It Siren can use support, so and when she does, and the character is healed after action resolved, the targeted character may immediately use charge or running shot as a free action. She's also hard to kill too because she has a twenty from range. Hey Hunter, what just came out in this last set that has a really good running shot with RCE? <laughs> or what's That's that? What's true. coming? <laughs> with a fifty-point medic that phases and carry or that phases and follows them around, tell me that wouldn't be a little bit ridiculously awesome. The Booker Liz is pretty fun and flavorful. It's nothing special for its points, but it's it's pretty worth it. It reminds too. me. Of the it's Master also stopping um, prop control. That's one important. It kind of yeah. reminds me of the Master Chief Arbiter a little bit. Like it's it's a good piece in this set for one fifty. Also, um, check this. I just noticed opposing characters within range who use a free action to use Outwit or Perplex must be given a power action instead. So yeah. it's stopping. It's straight up stopping prob, and it's costing yeah. you an action token for Outwit or Perplex. This, these, these guys with the um, Trinity of Sin, yeah. the guys that are giving you, <laughs> oh, you're just like double Outwit, double Perp, double Prob, and they can't do jack crap <laughs> about it. Uh, anybody else got anybody in particular? I haven't been able to play it, honestly. Oh, man. I would advise, like, honestly, for a video game set, this gives me good hope for future video game sets. You haven't even played the video game? Yeah, I should note that Austin won't play the damn video game no matter how much Austin it's or Drew on and I list. get on them. I've got a very long list of games to play. The first Bioshock is one of my top ten Still favorite games. Oh, my gosh. Infinite was very good, too. Yeah. I even take up for two, even though everybody else bashes on it. it. It wasn't as good as the first one, but it was still a good game. I wouldn't know I even played it. I know, you won't play anything. <laughs> um, Kick-Ass 2 came out. We had already... K-A-2. K-A-2, excuse my language. <laughs> it came out... <laughs> we talked about it last week, um, so we're not going to go too in-depth about it, but we used some as prizes at Game Preserve Wednesday, oh. and the sculpts aren't bad. The Bioshock sculpts are better. Yeah, but the Bioshock sculpts also have more more chances for details. The KA ones are like just people in like body armor. Generics, like yeah. yeah. The um, the Red Mist did look pretty well, I thought, and the uh, Hit Girl looked pretty good too. Um, the Marquee figure looks awesome. 
the uh, Colonel, Colonel, Stars, Colonel and Stars and Stripes is awesome, but apparently he's only like kind of like a buy a brick, I guess, or like a yeah. You get so many. Per you only get like one per case or couple cases or yeah, I don't know. So we ended up um, actually just giving it away as fellowship um, to make it fair for everybody who showed up. It was kind of a surprise too. So oh yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Everybody was kind of happy about that. Do you happen to know how many cases he ordered? I believe it was just the two. Um, so I'm hoping if he orders more in the future. So two bri- two bricks or two cases? I think it was two. Because two uh, two bricks come in one case. It was two bricks, so one case. Okay, so maybe case. maybe they'll give one per case. That'd be yeah, nice. But it wasn't even it wasn't in the case. It was a throw in on the order. So oh, I don't okay. know if it's a distribution thing with uh, ACD or Diamond, whoever wherever you order from, which gotcha. I think are the same. Yeah. So. Gotcha, gotcha. It's it's a a marquee fig. Yeah, it's really cool, and it comes with the Eisenhower uh, token also. Um, It's a pretty good set. There's some good pieces. The um, the Hit Girl in particular was good. Yes, I did pick up the starter set. The maps in the starter set are pretty cool. Oh yeah, I like them. And um, some of the figs are pretty good too, especially the Kick Ass. Sorry, the K A, the Dave, (laughs) the Dave Lazuski. Um, so I guess we can real quick say that there was a Tab App announcement, Tab App Elite, but all they announced was that there's going to be an Iron Man and an Iron Patriot. So big whoop. Which we are, we already knew. We already knew was going to happen, anyways. That's enough for news. From those pictures. Yeah. Let's get into just the tip, which we kind of touched on a little bit earlier today, but the just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> well played, there, uh, That was totally on purpose, by the way. Um. I want to talk about map selection and how important it is God, I can't to... I, it blows my mind how many people build their team and come to play, If it, especially when it's something that there's a pretty good um, like piece up for, like if it's for a, an official event yeah. and they're really wanting the prizes, that they don't take map into effect. Like They don't bring a map or have a map in mind that they can borrow from somebody or something. Like, just that map alone today, Austin especially got... He won and lost based on that map. Based on map choice. And the thing was, the game started I was winning it at first, and then it just flipped on me as soon as the map started turning on me, really, because I positioned myself poorly on it. He sure did. But, uh... I... For map, when when I first started Hero Clicks, my problem was... It was honestly laziness. I didn't want to tote around a bunch of maps with me. I'm gonna... I would highly advise people, though, whenever people are giving out maps for free, take them. Sit down and get a nice group of maps. They sit and fold. You can put them in like a folder, even or something, in a backpack. Carry them with you. And when you build your team, pick a map. Yep. There is such a big advantage on map. Um, I picked up what is it, the Realm of Death or whatever map. I I can already see five or six different situations that map would ruin certain opponents' teams. And I'm gonna play it with my zombies every time now because it's a close quarters maze of walls. JL team base is going to have problems in that map. Um, we're probably going to be seeing a bit of that at Gen Con when people are running Ghost Rider yeah. teams. Um, there's two ways you can use the map. You can use it to your advantage, or you can use it to, to cover your, your disadvantages. Yeah. Yes. Like, if I build a team and I see that it has a huge weakness to characters that can get in and out really quickly, like Hypersonic especially, then I use a map that has a lot of hindering. Because they have to stop and then don't even get to do their attack at all. As soon as they hit entering, they're done. Like that um, Lord of the Rings map that is indoors the, in the Hobbit house or whatever oh, that has a lot Hobbit of hindering. So That's a good one for anti-hindering. Um, when we played Street Fighter, it was really it was kind of a pain for uh, Bison. 
because there's all those squares of hindering, and then I put my objects up, cutting off all the corners. You ruined me with that. Yeah, map, I, I cut off all the corners where Bison can't get in or out of there. He has to spend time destroying all the objects to even get in and out. And and that's the thing, like especially if you're playing a team with a lot of figures in it that you know you're going to get a good choice of map. Pick one that's going to absolutely cover your bases. People will spend 50, 75 points on a figure just to cover their problems. They don't realize there's a dozen maps that can do that just as well and cost you nothing towards your build. Yep. A good way, a good example of using a map that really helps your team is, like I said, I didn't get to actually play and compete in the tournament today. We had an odd number of people, so I sat out. But I brought the, at Gen Con, I'm going to use the bizarro world map it's a classic but today i don't own that so today i brought the street the rooftops of gotham map and the reason i want that that type of map with a lot of elevated for for this team is because of the locust team ability basically it gives them phasing and after they complete their phase they can knock back a character one square oh you did this so yeah today i was using it to knock austin's guys into walls or to knock his slate away from his all his enhancements and mess up his line of fire so that he couldn't pulse wave yeah when you first knocked that one guy into the stage to deal one damage like that i was like that is clever so not only that but i'm going to use a map like bizarro world where people are constantly standing on the rim of elevated Mm -hmm. phase in on one side of them and knock them down the stairs for two free damage I mean that's just sick. <laughs> like thinking, think about things like that. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that I think of the map before I build my team. It's more I build my team, and then I think, what map can I use that really takes advantage yeah. of this? You got any good examples, Phil? Yeah. Um, in my, I was actually looking at that while we we're speaking, and the Shadowland map from Incredible oh, Hulk. Gosh. Um, that is that nerfs a lot of uh, yeah. Oh, yeah it cock blocks me, me up so bad. all the time. So when I feel like I just want to kind of get a little, you know, crazy, maybe run a Weapon X team. Yeah, exactly. Weapon <laughs> I, X would be great. You know, you can just stand outside that charge range, let them figure out what they're going to do, and then just get in there. Um, if if I was playing a fear itself like worthy team, mm-hmm. that would be my go to map. Yeah, absolutely. Because you'd be forcing them to get close to your giant beater character and start smashing people. I want to make one correction. Last week we talked about getting the most out of the book of the skull, and I had said that it was after actions resolve is when you take the clicks. It's actually not after actions resolve. Um, so that was right. You can flurry. so you can flurry and turn it as soon as the first one hits. Yeah. We don't have corrected cards yet, and I'm kind of wondering when we're going to get them it on our cards it doesn't say anything about turning the dial period yeah but apparently you can flurry and then as soon as the first one hits you'll turn the belt and the, or turn the i'm so used to belt by now <laughs> you can turn the book of the skull and then make your second attack oh man if you, uh, if you we were correct i was correct on the quake that if you no matter how many characters you hit with the quake you're still only hitting one you're still only making one attack and hitting once so you're gonna get to roll once that actually came that. up several times during the fear itself at CBU. So should have listened to, to the podcast. Um, I do. No, it's not about them. Our main topic today is uh, how much we want an X Force team base. Largely based around <laughs> the fact that based around the fact that we have uh, Phil here with us today, we're going to talk about growing the community and kind of a subtopic of judging and how to how to help your venue if you're the judge or if you're a new judge kind of some tips you rule with an iron fist and crush all opposition that's right <laughs> literally the opposite it helps if it <laughs> as soon as you walk in you bitch slap the biggest guy <laughs> who showed up to play and assert your dominance <laughs> um 
throw his figures on the table. (laughs) When we first started playing, our local community, I don't want to say Hero Clicks was dying out, but it definitely wasn't flourishing. It was lulling. Like, it had kind of dropped. CBU had 10-ish players on a busy night. Maybe a dozen on the busiest I had ever, you know, back in the day on big events like No Man's Land Month 1. Um... And we hadn't, we didn't play a game preserve, but from what I had heard from talking to people, it only had six, seven, eight, right, Phil, before you month, started? Month two, right before I started of No Man's Land, it was month two or three, uh, they had three players show up for a No Man's Land. So when, when Austin and I, and Austin Drew and I first started playing at venues, which is actually about the same time that Phil started playing at venues, it's just we didn't know Phil as far as played Heroclix with him all the time back then. It was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't... Yeah, the scene wasn't flourishing, and we had enough people to keep running tournaments, but the Greenwood community as a whole, there just weren't... People didn't know each other that well. And also, it was hard... A big problem with playing at Comic Book University you never knew what your build was going to be. Like, you had to get it through word of mouth. I I really had a a problem with... There were four... There were three or four specific situations where I was, like, ticked off because we would be told that an event build would be one way and we would show up and it would be something totally different. Like, they would say DC only and then you show up and everybody's got Scarlet Witches and all this crap, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I thought it was DC only. Two examples: I had to buy figures while I was there to rebuild my team. Yeah, and that, ha- like I said, three or four times that happened, and I was like, this is not how you should be running things. Like, you need to be more organized than this. So, I think a big part. Um, well, I guess we can get into that in a minute. First, I should say, um, Ricky hooked me up with the, the dugout. And I started judging there. And one thing that that I started doing and that Phil does really well now too is staying in contact with your players and having a place where they can constantly communicate with you and ask you questions about what the build's going to be and without having to just show up and just hope that they have you know what they need, the, especially with us having a lot of new players now. Yeah. Um, so I, back when I first started, I started a Facebook group, and this kind of falls into the the realm of tips for improving your community or um, if you're a new judge is start a Facebook group or start a Twitter or something, however your players like to communicate, whether it's on forums somewhere or, or whatever. Talk to your guys and and talk to them and find out what's the best way that they, you know, they want to stay in touch. I think for the average person these days, it's Facebook, just for the ease of communication. But I started a group just for dugout, just for... Um, our venue and started our own hero clicks group and got the the owner involved and got everything approved and basically i post all our events ahead of time i write all the details on what the you know events going to consist of the rules and everything and then people can ask me questions beforehand like is this allowed is that allowed you know and and i can answer them that same day and not only that i keep up with our standings during the official venues uh tournaments like no man's land and fear itself and stuff like that and also when we have rules questions come up during the game i research them afterwards and post them and keep a separate document for previous rules questions and not only do i explain what the answer is but how i got that answer and where you can find it in the pac in the rule book 
so that everybody kind of learns as a whole. Because we had some new players, including us. We're newish. We were still newish players at the beginning. Yeah, I was gonna say the one thing I like. It, it's really important to have a static place to know what the next event's gonna be. Because it's really, there's a lot of times I'll be, I'll be building, or they'll tell me the week before, this is what we're playing next week. I may not build my team till the day before, and I need to be able to know what that team is. I have to text five people and hope I get a response by the time my time mm-hmm. runs up. Um, it's really important to have a static location where players can go, and Facebook's great for that. Having that Facebook group really helped us grow as clicks players and as friends and as a community, because like I said... Like we were talking about last week, even though we've been playing clicks for a while, we weren't playing in an official forum. We were playing at my garage, and <laughs> it was fun. And I knew the rules, and I re, you know I've always I like I always had a passion for like trying to learn the rules and why, and I spent a lot of time like you know learning, and so I was judging and everything, and it was kind of the head of everything. But this was the first time that we were actually in an official thing where I'm the head of something, and like I have to be responsible now, and I felt like. Us having that Facebook group really helped us, like, set a good example for what other places can do to, to keep in touch with their players, especially if they have new players. And then Phil was pretty much doing the exact same thing at the exact same time <laughs> yeah. with Game Preserve, but we didn't really know. You know, I just I came, came into Game Preserve one day and was talking to Phil and then um, about Hero Clicks, and then he was like, you know, you guys should come play with us on Wednesday. And I was like, yeah. And then I talked Austin into coming and playing that week. And we showed up, and we haven't missed very many ever since then. And um, their group, since since Phil has started judging, has grown from, like he said, four or five to now 20-some-plus players. And a lot of that has to do with Phil, steal, Phil stealing magic players. <laughs> but um, I'll let him get into that. But, um, I mean, talk, Phil, talk about when you first started judging and the, the scene at game preserve back then and and compared to now okay yeah um i mean first off by starting saying i know a lot of people are still friends with a lot of people who were involved heavily in hero clicks at the gp when we started um so everything i'm saying here is is all i wanted to do was improve the community it had became stagnant there was only a group a small group of guys in it eight max it was more like four or six on the usual the regular and uh, it really kind of, from the outside, looking in, it felt like a small group of guys just sharing figs with one another from the prize, you know, the OP kits and stuff like that, which I always felt was, uh, you know, it, it's not any way to build a community. It's counterintuitive. It's very counterintuitive. And there was no promotion of the league. Um, it was very much like if you walked in and you saw Hero Clicks, oh, you guys play Hero Clicks? Yeah, you weren't going to get any feedback on what the build was going to be or anything like that. So, I mean, they were very nice to me. I worked there, and they let me start playing. And as I was kind of coming in, I brought myself, my friend um, TJ. We kind of came in, and we were just thinking, wow, we need to really, excuse me, we really need to, like, get more people involved with this, which was easy because t- between TJ and I, we had a lot of friends. Um, but I about it. <laughs> we had a lot of gaming <laughs> friends, I should say, who were interested in trying out new games. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> so, anyways, we got that going, and uh, people were shifting, and a couple events were handled very poorly, in my opinion. So, I, you know, my store manager, Nick Lazan, he said, hey, you want a chance of running this? 
I definitely wanted a chance of running it. I didn't know a lot about the rules, but I knew I can run an event from previously running Magic events and other games. So that was definitely like the launching point for me was just the passion of trying to fix it for all the players so it was fair, so people didn't feel like they didn't have a chance to, you know, have things happen. And, uh, you know, it was, I was definitely a little nervous at first, and we, we slowly went from the six to eight to, I mean, we have, what, 40 members in our group, Facebook yeah. group now, and it's, you know, it's about an 18 to 22 player rotation that's coming in and playing these events. We're meeting new people week after week. Yeah, too. every week we've, every we meet somebody week. new to the clicks in the Greenwood community, and it's largely based off of Game Preserve, because that place gets a lot of traffic, gaming traffic in and out. It's the biggest I mean, yeah, store oh, yeah. as far as uh, as far as not just clicks, but overall yeah. games. It's Go definitely ahead. the biggest store that's given us a chance. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, also the the quality of knowledge that is at that store for the games that they're involved with. I mean, all across the board from Magic, 40K, um, Hero Clicks, especially now. I mean, you can walk in there. The role playing guides, the people who work there, they're passionate about gaming, mm-hmm. and. I think that's why Nick gave me a chance. I mean, like I said, I was an employee, but I got a new job almost immediately after I started, and he still said, you know, I would love it if you kept running this, so I did. And it's all about communication. I mean, if you're not willing to go out there and, you know, find the players, you know, create the venues, get the events, I mean, if you're not willing to do that, it's not going to succeed. And I think that's the best part about this is I've met so many new friends uh, everybody on this podcast, I mean, people I've never even met, met before, um, you know, they come in, they just want to have a great time, and I think that's what we allow for at our at our venues. Here, CBU, um, or, yeah, the dugout, it's just like, across the board, I think that everything's really picked up. Um, the one thing I'd like to bring up is, like, the um, me, me and Phil talked about this once before, the dugout. Um, there's a big difference between a parasitic player group and a supportive one. Yeah. A good store and a good supportive player group will build each other, and they'll support each other well. You'll increase the sales of the store, and in turn, your community will grow and foster. If you're parasitic and you're in it just for yourselves, and you don't work with the store and the store doesn't work with you either way, it, it's damaging to the community. And I feel like there's a lot of clicks groups out there that they run into that problem. Oh, yeah, the selection they, was horrible because of... I mean, if you don't have the player base playing in your store or being active or knowledgeable about it... There's no product. The product's not going to be there, and so it kind of it kills itself. You don't have the product, the players don't come, all of a sudden, the, you know, it's a, it's you're a stuck with whatever was left. Yeah. yeah. That brings up a good point that I had actually forgotten to write down on here is one, one thing, one uh, tip whenever you're a judge that's just starting out is stay in constant communication and relation with your store owner. Oh, yeah. It's a mutual, you know, they are allowing you to do what you're doing, and they they appreciate what yeah. you're doing, and they buy you price support, you know, OP kits for the most part. I think pretty much every store owner I know price their, their place price support, but, you know, it's kind of a you scratch their back, they scratch your back kind exactly. of thing. Like, what I started doing with James from the get-go was every week, everybody pitches in $5, but we use all the money for price support, and we're just buying those from James. So he basically, he's guaranteed... To move product. He's guaranteed to move product, but he's also scratching our back. He's also providing us a place to play, and he's buying us OP kits, 
he he constantly gives us good deals on product, and that's the same way with Nick at Game Preserve and Rob at Comic Book University. You need to you need to form a relationship with your your person who is running the store, and if they aren't well versed in HeroClix, like our store owner um, at the dugout, James, you know he kind of knew what HeroClix was, but it's primarily a, a card gaming. Um, store, yeah. Store. Very, he very did strong card game very, store. Very strong Yu-Gi-Oh, card Magic, gaming store. Vanguard. And he didn't know anything about Heroclix. And so I kind I look at the upcoming sets every few months. I send him an email like, here's what's coming out. You know, I would expect from talking to the guys that you'll be able to move this much of this product and this much of this just from talking to our guys, let alone what you're going to talk to, you know, what you're going to get from random, you know, store random shoppers coming in and i think his product sales have skyrocketed oh yeah i I mean just recently we've been buying out we're we're buying the stuff off the shelves before we can use it for price support we had a full case of bioshock and it's gone already a full case of bioshock and and wolverine the x-men was gone with like six guys in like an hour like i had to hold stuff back so that we could use it for price support or else it was going to be gone and that never used to be the case. I mean, he's had starter sets up there that have been up there for years and years. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, and that was the other point I was going to bring up. Um, some of our venues are really good about throwing in price support, too. But a lot of these venues have old product they need to move. It's literally sat there for a while, and it makes for great price support. Like, we opened up, what was it, a, a Hammer, Hammer Thor, Thor Fast Forces? That was great. I've never, I've never wanted to buy a Hammer Thor Fast Forces. I wasn't interested in the pieces. But as the $5 price support, hey, I really like that sculpt. It'd be a fun piece. I rethink it all individually when you're looking through those prizes. And it helped James move something he's never he had a bunch of on the shelf that wasn't moving. It helped me discover some new pieces. And it's just, it's nice to have that little back and forth. As you said, scratch scratch my back, I scratch yours. Okay, and uh, that yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, the thing about the Greenwood store, uh, Greenwood Game Preserve, is also with the, you know, he gives us an amazing... <laughs> absolutely. Amazing price support. Oh, yeah. uh and I think that's a thank you as how we're moving product for him. And we really do appreciate that uh, weekly. But um, another great thing is Nick, who had kind of dropped out of the game completely, he tried it once and almost got into it and then just flared out. He is back. He's playing. Uh, he, he does fairly well. He has very good luck opening packs. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and that's a volume thing, I'm sure. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, you know, the, the Scott, the Scott uh, yeah. he does the same thing. But... Um, I just want to get back to it real quick about building the community. Um, you can't be scared to bring in the good players. Yeah. Um, as a TO, I was very protective of the starting players, um, but I couldn't. I couldn't just turn away the good ones. The you know the Harrys, the Hunters, the Austins. I mean. The people who had- I don't know if we should include Austin on that list. <laughs> well, you heard about these. Pe- you heard about these people throughout the community. You know, the Jarris and Jasons. Zombie meta. <laughs> you're just thinking to yourself, you know, how do I bring in the competitive players, but yet keep it, you know, fun for everybody? And I think, I think the, the communication, yeah. the the build sets, uh, and just having an all around good attitude with it, you're going to diffuse so much negativity. And, that you have in the gaming world. And, like, I would like to bring up... I, w- I was talking to one of, like, the hyper-competitive kind of players last week, and we were talking about it. The one thing that GP does well, and we do at Dugout, too, interesting team builds are always a good thing, and you do great with some fun ones. Like, Decapitation was one of them, where if you roll Chris, you kill. Realms. <laughs> yeah, you, you roll two. Um, and even the competitive player was saying that he doesn't like going and playing Power week after week. If he wanted to play Power, he'd go to Worlds, he'd go here, he'd go there. 
He wants to come play some basic events with some fun teams, some figures he never gets to play out of his collection, and then every once in a while break out the power. Yeah. My thoughts are somebody's got to get sick of playing Ghost Rider every week. Or Justice League. Yeah, it, that's one Neither. good point. If you're running the, if you're the judge or the or the person running your events, don't constantly have bland, boring um, builds or builds that allow players to play cheese pieces, as the term that the clicks community likes to likes to use. You know, you've got to be creative in like one thing I do at Dugout is. Half the time I prevent you from using resources and half the time I don't. So where it doesn't keep you from never being able to use them, but it also, it's not always, you know, somebody with the infinite, Magneto with the Infinity Gauntlet kicking your ass every week. Like, you're oh, you're always getting way... Hey, you mean <laughs> Drew just, in your A? <laughs> Drew just got the Magneto. No, I was just saying, I was having flashbacks of the match where Hunter and I literally had most of our two teams left and we got trounced by a Magneto with Infinity Gauntlet. Um, <laughs> you, you, nobody wants, even the people who play those yeah. pieces, you don't want to go against that crap every week. You want to have some kind of build that restricts you and makes you learn the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those people are going to get sick of playing the same against the same pieces every week. You need to switch things up. You know, the sad truth is people want to win over having fun uh, not everyone of course but, but a, a, a lot chunk. of people I think it's a, fair assumption. A, a lot of people are more concerned about winning than they are doing well and learning and having a good time i think we're kind of blessed that our community has a lot of people who are yeah. more worried about the latter especially us of playing new pieces or pieces that we we really love from comics and stuff like that but a lot of communities like a couple of the places that we played at, me and Austin did when we first started playing, all they care about is winning and all they care about is playing important pieces. So you, as the judge or the tournament organizer, have to have to be changing up the the build every week to prevent that kind of thing from happening because it's going to lead to stagnation. Yeah. Now that place that Austin that I was referring to, I hear other players talk about it who had just recently played there. Like we just met a player who had just came to the community and had played there and then he played at the dugout and he's like well this is definitely more what i'm looking for instead of this place i was just at where everybody is always worried about you know everybody's always out to for the kill like people that turns people off what well, go ahead um, i was gonna say if the other thing about that is if you're playing to win you're not gonna find grace in losing and that's where people get mad if you're playing for like a huge prize or something i can understand but if you're going for the kill every single week, not only are you wearing yourself out of the game, but every time you lose, you take it harder. And it, it's just one of those things, and, like, and the other thing to bring into it is, when you do these team builds as a judge, um, you don't just have to make it a different point or requirement cost. Like the decapitation thing. You can do and invent wacky rules. You could cut line of sight short. You could do all kinds of fun stuff. Limit actions. Limit, limiting actions was a good one. It was a simple one. And it just... It makes you rethink how you play the game and reanalyze pieces. And as we know here on the podcast, analyzing pieces is what we do. It's a fun thing to look at a piece that you're like, man, I'm never going to get to play this piece. But under these rule sets, this piece is broken. Exactly. It makes you brainstorm <laughs> and it makes you learn too. It makes you you, you learn about pieces that you haven't really, you know, you never knew existed. And then you're like, oh, this would be great for this event. But anyways, Sorry. as the judge, it's your that's something that you can actually control by setting the build. Um, 
I think the big thing that, like Phil was touching on, the main thing to growing your community is getting the word out, not being afraid to talk to the Magic players before they start their tournament and say, hey, have you ever thought about playing Heroclix? Or, or make a Facebook group for your store. Start a Realms thread um, oh, yeah. for your store that that announces the build every week and you might find a couple people on there that live in the area that you didn't even know um like gaucho king. lived in like gaucho <laughs> king um put flyers up in the store um at game preserve they have hero clicks up on the schedule board but at, at rob's i'd like to start putting flyers up in there for hero clicks saying what time it's going to be and when and the build and everything and um go, go ahead Austin. um i was just going to say that like uh <laughs> Continue for a minute. I'll, it'll come back. To now me. you've thrown me off my train of thought. I'll jump in real fast. I'm going to kick it to Phil. <laughs> hey, I got something to say. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. So here we go. But Talking about the I advertising, remember. the scheduling, and stuff like that. And getting, like he was saying, getting the word out there. I mean, um, the the promotions or the advertising on the boards, you know, the word of mouth is really important. But go out of your way. Seek out other game groups. You know, let them know. Uh, the event that Hunter ran last week, the Justice setup. Uh, I thought that was fantastic of getting players. If we had new players, they wouldn't even had to have used Hero Clicks. They could have just, you know, came and used our, our pre-built teams yeah. that I thought were fantastic and well balanced. Um, so you know, it's all about it's all about reaching out. And that being said, I mean, Greenwood Hero Clicks League Facebook group. We have the Dugout. How's it? What's the title of your group? Hero Clicks. This is Dugout Hero Clicks. I mean, if you're in the Indianapolis area. Or, or in the surrounding areas, find us, message us, and we would love to have more players. And that that reminded me actually. What I was going to say is, don't don't turn away newbies. Like some people, the Seriously. attitudes they give new players or people who are foreign to their game group, it really turns people off. Like I mean, I can name a dozen games offhand that like I wanted to learn how to play, and I was watching people play, but I would ask a question, and they would just either give me stiff silence, or they would just like kind of shrug me off. It, if someone walks up and asks what you're playing, just say Hero Clicks. Give them a quick explanation of it. I mean, like, it takes 10 seconds, and you might have just gotten someone else for your venue. And that's one thing I think, and I do want to compliment the whole Greenwood Hero Clicks group and the Dugout Hero Clicks group. We, we all answer questions really well. Um, a lot of people come on there with questions, and we're never afraid. No one should ever be, that, that term should never, like, happen. No one should ever be afraid to ask a question about a rule or about anything like that. And you should never make someone feel dumb for asking them. Oh, it helps us as judges learn as well. I yeah. Mean, like, I, like Hunter already expressed, we're both relatively new. Hunter is, I think, very well-versed in the rules, but even the ones that he doesn't know, he's going to research, he's going to find out, because there's a lot of intricacies in this game that you, if you don't have the complete understanding, uh, it's out there, It's and we're going to find it for you. Every day, I feel like you could learn something Absolutely. new. Even the rules arbs, I swear, probably learned something, some kind of combination that they wouldn't have known, you know, they learn every day. You learn something. Two There's times. too many intricacies. <laughs> I could think of two times in this podcast alone, you've had to write something down for us to go look up afterwards with two judges sitting in the room. Right. Well, I and mean, also, like, I don't like to give answers. I yeah, I feel like sure. I know, like, 80% what it is, but I don't want to say. Yeah, until you... Until I know for sure. But, yeah, I know... I need I, to learn to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I will make a ruling quick if it if it's a uh, time constraints. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> while you're playing, while you're playing, if a rules question comes up, best judgment. Take your PAC and your rule book, mm-hmm. and if you can find the answer in a timely fashion, which you should be able to, if you're judging, you need to be very familiar with the rule Tab book rule and book the PAC. Yeah. Right, find the answer as quickly as you can. 
and give it. If it's not in either one and you haven't previously ruled on it before, then you make your best judgment in the situation, and that's the law for the rest of the day. Don't let people argue with you. And, you know, you make the rule you, to the best of your ability for the rest of the day. And then when you have time throughout the week, look up the official answer. And if you have a Facebook group, you can do what we do and give an actual official answer, explain why it works the way it does, and link to posts proving that it works the way it does. That's the, that's the easiest way to settle disputes. If you really can't come up with an answer, have each player roll 2d6. Whoever rolls highest, that person, that's the way you roll it for the rest of the day. And then, again, you look it up, and then you give the answer later. And see, and that's another big thing is you've got to make sure you explain why. Um, uh, or else too, people don't learn. Yeah, it's too easy to like write it all off and say, this is how it works. If you don't explain to them why, they're never going to understand in future references that are similar why it works like that. Yeah, yeah. And they just continue having questions and problems. Um, and that you just have to break it down. You have to go on the rules for them once in a while as a judge. All the time. All the judge. time. Multiple yeah. times through the week. I mean, like, I think weekly we have a ton of questions come up. But we, we always feel like it's, it's a fair judgment call. Get, um, get feedback on your... If, you, if your players are getting stagnant, if your group's getting stagnant, ask your players what they would like to play. You know, if there's an interesting idea like decapitation like that came up like (laughs) like ask your players what they would like to play and write it down and over the next few weeks you know try some of those out um keywords yeah i hate you (laughs) just stay in constant communication that communication is the key yeah as far as getting your team built across and also keeping answering questions start a facebook group have their cell phone give them their your cell phone number so they can text you or email or something stay in communication with them Go ahead, Austin. I was. I, I have one point that, like, you guys have it from a judge's perspective. I'd like to bring one from a player perspective. Um, something that players should do to foster community. Respect your judges. Definitely. I think that's one thing a lot of we we've seen even like in our in our good venues once in a while. Yeah. You have players who get argumentative. They get problematic. There's no point to be like that. It guys. In the end, it all comes down to this one statement. It's a game. You're there to have fun. I mean, once in a while, you're playing for something bigger, important, but it's still a game. There's no point to ruin someone else's day over it. There's no point to sit and argue with a judge because they made a judgment call. They, they do it to the best of their abilities. I mean, if you feel like you're legitimately getting cheated or wrecked over something, sure, bring the problem up, but you, you don't need to do it in the middle of a tournament. You don't need to start arguments or whatever. And that, uh, reflecting that, um, and not only that, also re- respect your fellow players. Oh, yeah. Um, and I know that seems to be, like, without saying kind of thing, but... Um, we've got we especially in our groups have a lot of new players that we're trying to foster into being lifers of this game, this great game. And um, if you're Sound just like a drug dealer, <laughs> first hits free. Oh, come in, kids! I'll give you a fast force. First booster free. Here's your amazing Spider-Man. Exactly. I mean, if you, and I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have fun. You're gonna get prizes at all our venues, and um, you know, treat them. One day, we've we've literally had a guy who was I think last place. What was he like? Maybe six tournaments in a row. Month one, fear itself. Rick rolls the whole thing. Yeah, you know, wins it, and you know it's because our players they helped him out. He learned the game yeah. even better, and I think he's a better player. And he's a he's a teacher now. He's teaching the other new players how. It's it's all about if you if you can, tra- can create the chain 
of, of you know, friendliness and positivity. And that sounds really cheesy, and, but I mean, I think it's so important. I, people ask me my secret is I treat my players like they're my friends. And it just, I'm lucky that they become my friends too, so. And it, it's one of those things like me and you have talked about before. Our magic community around here is pretty, I, I would warrant to even use the term toxic at times. Players are very violent. They're very harsh about things. They don't respect each other. If you win, it's because your opponent's terrible. If you lose, it's because your opponent's terrible. You, well, you don't you don't take that kind of attitude into it. Um, everyone's there for the same goal. As I said, it's to have fun. Play with toys. Yeah. You get to play with action figures as 20, 30-year-old men. Which is every man's dream, in my opinion. And you don't... There's no reason. There's no reason to be like that towards an opponent. If an opponent beats you, be, be graceful, shake their hand, tell them good game, even if you got wrecked. Complain about it to your significant other later, or to a stuffed animal or whatever. There's Soon no after you're single. There's no reason to be hostile towards people. And I've seen people, like, even in our venues, that get they hold grudges. And, and there's no point to it. It's, it's petty, guys. Um, yeah, Austin, I'll never let it go. <laughs> shut up, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Only Drew spoke for 45 minutes. And <laughs> um, Austin, I like it. So, yeah, I think we've covered the main ones. Communication and, you know, learning the game, making your best decisions when you can. Uh, we're going to move on to community. First, we're going to talk about dial design. Um, today is the deadline for my assignment and for Austin's assignment. I was very happy with the submissions I got, but I only got three guys. So hopefully, tonight. <laughs> hopefully we're going to get more coming soon. Um, again, this is something that restarts every month. So next month, it's going to refresh fresh over. Everybody's going to start at zero and going to continue on. Um, I got a submission from Swagnito. On yours, I really liked your um, power sets. A lot of them, maybe not prob, although I can kind of see prob for Miles. I guess it could be like he's young. You never know. You don't really know what's going to happen with him yet. Um, so I can see some prob on his dial. But other than that, a lot of your power sets were we're uh, what I wanted to see um, you did give him a venom blast yes. but my main problem with your venom blast and the reason that I didn't give you a 9 out of 10 I ended up giving you an 8 out of 10 is because it does not specify that the venom blast has to be a close combat incapacitate instead of a ranged because if you know Miles Morales he can't he gives you the that incapacitate that poisonous effect by doing the strike with his hand, not from his web shooters. So that was one thing that um, kind of struck me. I did like your trait. I thought it was a little creative. The when a friendly character is KO'd by an opposing uh, character's attack, put an inspiration token on his on Spider-Man's keyword. He gets plus one combat values for everyone. But I think that's that kind of gets a little nuts. Zombies. I mean, yeah, you throw three <laughs> zombies on there. When they die, he's plus threes now. You know, it's good. It, it wasn't so good that I docked you any points. You know, like we said, if they're way too good or they're way too bad, we're going to dock you. I didn't dock you any points. But um, I gave you an 8 out of 10, which is still a great um, still a great score. Um, let's see. The next one is from Savage Hulk. Uh, you missed one up above I know. There. I'm going to go back oh, to this. Yeah. Um, I did like your Venom Blast. Um, give it Spider-Man can use Incap as a free action once per turn, but only to adjacent characters. Um, so he got the adjacent part of the Venom Blast right. I liked that you used the Shield TA 
Um, I also like this Spider-Man TA. Either one of those would be great for these pieces. Um, and the, the reason I kind of like the Spider-Man TA better on this piece is because of what I was just saying. He's a young character. You still kind of don't know what's going to happen with yep. him. He is a wild card in the sense you know that you don't know how he's going to end up. Um, I also thought your values on your defense were a little bit low for it being Miles. The thing about Miles is he's hard to see. He's hard to hit. And he should have some. I feel like he should have some shape change on there somewhere, you know, along with his um, stealth. So, but I also gave you an eight out of ten. Um, your powers again were pretty good. The winner for mine, I gave a nine out of ten to We Are Venom's dial. It has a banner click um, that is very flavorful as far as the storyline. It's Spider-Man No More. Miles Morales can't be targeted by opposing characters. He has zero attack and zero damage on this, by the way. He can't make attacks and can't be given a second action token. Opposing characters automatically break away from him. When a friendly character is KO'd or takes damage from an opponent's attack within range and line of fire of Miles, which is only four range, you deal him one damage, remove any tokens, and he gets to his actual activation clicks. I like the creativity and the flavor with it being what happens because this is whenever he decides he's not going to um, be a hero anymore because I don't get into the storyline. But it does make sense uh, comic accuracy wise. So I didn't, I, personally, I hate banner clicks, but I didn't I, take. I'm not even going to. You already know my opinions on banner clicks. I didn't take anything <laughs> away from you for that. Um, I thought your powers were um, more spot on slightly more spot on than the rest you got the trait the camo on the nose of the fact that he needs to be adjacent to wall or blocking if you read the comics it's usually it's the time it's hard to see him is when he's next to an object and that and he can blend in next to them um if you look at my anyways i gave you a nine out of ten i liked your uh, numbers and your power set better and your creativity with the uh, banner click I made my ideal Miles Morales, which is very similar to you guys, although I didn't give him super strength. He's not really a super strength in the sense that Peter is. He's not throwing cars. He doesn't, yeah, he's not throwing <laughs> cars all the time. His is more, I want him to be all about the incapacitate. My Venom Sting is Spider-Man can use incap. If he uses it as a close combat attack, modify his attack by plus one, and after actions resolve, deal an additional penetrate one penetrating damage. He also has traded um, lines of fire cannot be drawn to him when he's adjacent to elevated blocking or walls, and he has less than two action tokens. So, like if he hasn't already shown himself, shown where he is by fighting. Um, I also gave him a special defense power later in his dial for willpower and super senses called "Prove Myself to Fury," which is kind of one, my favorite storyline or one of my favorite storylines with him so far, where he's. Uh, they have the big civil war with Ultimates, and he's fighting with Nick on the helicarrier, helicarrier and all that stuff. So, and I, I thought Sidestep is a really good power for him, and Spider-Man in general. Yeah. Being able to hop around. Um, and I gave him a little flurry in cap at, at towards the end of his dial, but a lot of reflexes, shape change, and super senses. I feel like that's what he should have. It's definitely shape change. Um, so, again, I'm very happy with your dials. I gave We Are Venom a 9, Swagneto, and Savage Hulk 8s. And those scores are going to be averaged in with Austin's and Drew's scores on their dials. Do you have your grades this week, Austin? I do, I do have my grades. Um, uh, some like There were no rescues this week, which kind of made me sad. Rescue's one of my favorite characters, and she was an interesting one, so I was looking forward to some. 
But the bi the bishops, I, I do want to compliment everyone who submitted one. You guys put a lot of time into these. Um, they're they're all really cool figures. Um, so uh, Swagnito submitted submitted a bishop. Um, his, the one the one thing I did mark off for. Um, this is a very very busy dial with two really long traits and uh, some really long special abilities. I but they're very good ones. Um, he gave him um, improved movement, ignores hindering and characters. He's a police. X-Men hybrid, which is what I want out of a bishop. Mm -hmm. And uh, his trait is minus the power to match yours. When bishop's the target of a ranged combat attack, he treats penetrating as regular damage. Now that's a great idea. I actually like That's really creative for energy absorption. At the beginning of your turn, if you took three or more damage from a ranged attack last turn, choose one. Um, you, can, he, you can have him deal penetrating damage until end of turn, modify his attack by one, and he can use willpower until your next turn, or roll a d6 or on a result of one to three, heal him one click. On a result of 4 to 6 heal him too, this trait can't be ignored. It's an interesting trait. Um, I think it could have done without the choose, honestly. Um, I would have probably cut it down to one of the powers. Um, to police and patrol around at the beginning of the game, choose an opposing character. He gets plus one attack when making an attack against a chosen character. If the character has X-Men or Brotherhood, modifies attack and damage by an additional one. Um, I, I like that trait a lot. Like Honestly, that feels very... That's pretty spot on. Um... It's it's not the plus one isn't like silver bullet level like a plus two would be or something which is good because he shouldn't be, but the fact he gets that little bit of a creative bonus versus those is cool. Um, his movement abilities: uh, Bishop can use phasing teleport if he does and ends this action adjacent to the target of to police and patrol around. He may be given a close combat range. Uh, it's another cool one. Um, and his defense is in vol and combat radios. It's a great piece. I, I'm definitely going to give it an eight out of ten. He gets a close. He gets a ranged or close combat action. Oh, action! Sorry, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, in combo with some other stuff on there, like does he get that? No, he doesn't get that in pulse wave at the same time. But uh, what does he? He doesn't actually have any actions. Yeah. Just per se, but there's other th tools you could use with him to give it to him. Yeah, um, he, he's a cool piece. I'm, I, I definitely give him an eight. I mean, like you, you put some effort into that one. Um, Savage Hulk's. Savage Hulk's was really interesting. He's got some great keywords. Um, 125 points. His trait is energy absorption. Bishop can choose to ignore damage from any successful ranged combat attack. Now, I, I want to point out this makes him completely immune to ranged combat attacks, pretty much, as a trait. Um, there's no way to outwit that, no way to avoid that. Um, I, I would have probably gone with reduces if you were going to go with something like that, because then at least Pinsai and stuff would go through it. Um... The other problem with it is, um, I, I'll go ahead and finish explaining it first. After doing so, you place an absorption token on this card. At any time during your turn, you can remove an absorption token to remove to either remove an action token or modify his damage by one until end of turn. If at any time Bishop has more than one token on this card, deal him two unavoidable damage and give him an action token and remove all the token card or all the tokens from his card. This trait can't be ignored. Um, the trait can't be ignored. That actually means he would ignore Pulse Wave too, wouldn't it? Right. Um, There's no way of getting around the thing. I, I, I gave this dial actually a 7. I, I like the dial, but that trait literally is broken. Like, that that's... Um, a, a few wording changes and I think a few tweaks here and there would be a cool... It's a cool idea. i definitely give you that. Um, a few tweaks to its wording, I think you could have had a really good idea going there. Um, and then his other abilities, you can use combat reflexes, toughness, and willpower. Once again, police, X-Men. Um, great idea. Um, some minor alterations would have been perfect. Um, we are Venom. I this this is probably my favorite of the submissions. Um, he's one forty points X Men. Um, has police keyword but not team ability. 
His trait is energy absorption and misdirection. If he's the target of a ranged combat attack, he gets plus one defense. If he was the target of a ranged combat attack since your last turn, he gets plus one attack and damage when making a ranged combat attack. If he was the target of three or more ranged combat attacks since your last turn, he gets plus one attack, or he gets modify him by an additional plus one. So he'll get two attack and damage. And his ranged combat attacks cause penetrating damage. Um, that, that's pretty spot on to me. Like, okay, one guy takes a pot shot at you or two. Oh, okay, I can, I can absorb that. But if three do, you're just going to go, like, god mode, fire it right back. Um, I, I love this other trait. I must prevent the t this timeline from occurring. He doesn't begin the game on the map. Instead, place him and five timeline tokens on his card. At the beginning of your turn, remove a timeline token. When zero remain, you may place bishop anywhere on the map. If you control no other friendly characters, place bishop on the map. So, he's not. It, it's not risky to like have him off the board or whatever, because if the rest of your team dies, he just comes in. But it's also cool because that, that's how bishop is. He's a big time traveler and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then uh, his his damage power is born in a mutant concentration camp. He can use willpower. Um, usually I'm not too big on like uh, special abilities that are just different slots, but that, that that's a good one. Well, that way he'll, even if yeah. you outwit one toughness, he'll get willpower yeah, or vice it, versa. Yeah, it, it's a cool one, though. Um, I, I That's definitely my favorite. I definitely give that a 9. Um, that's pretty much spot on what I would make a bishop as. Um, great dial designs, guys. As Hunter said, getting only 3... I wish we'd have got, had a lot more. Um, I wish I would have got a rescue, though. Kind of sad about that. But the bishop designs were all great. It's kind of a difficult character to do well. So it is definitely an interesting job. So from now on, we're going to give you guys more options whenever you, uh, whenever we give you an assignment. I want an Avenger. Start. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe not quite so wide as make a DC character or something like that. <laughs> But we'll give you more options, and that's going to lead me into Drew's assignment, which is going to be the last assignment for for month one. Yep. Um, okay, so I gave you two options, but they're actually bigger options. Uh, my first option is there's a current book running called Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Um, need to read that. A lot of the people in there haven't been clicks really at all. And they're interesting, too. Yeah, you got Boomerang. You got Shocker. Shocker's been clicked recently, and he's got a pretty good dial. He's really damn good. Yeah, he's pretty <laughs> good dial. I hate dial. that Shocker. But I want another Shocker, so if you want to give me another Shocker, that's cool. Uh, Beetle, uh, Speed Demon, and Overdrive. Overdrive has a lot of cool options. If you know what Overdrive does, which you should, go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> but they've all got really cool options. And my DC, I got a DC option, which is... Uh, I was originally just going to do Captain Cold, because I love Captain Cold. He's awesome, and hasn't been clicks really at all. Um, but Flash Rogues. So, any one of them, you can just churn them out. You got it. So, that, that, gives, you, that gives you plenty of options. That's over a dozen. So, either a character from Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Shocker, Overdrive, Boomerang, Beetle, Speed Demon, Speed Demon or a Flash Rogue. Really uh, Cap Colds. Captain Boomerang. We could sit here all day and name yeah. off Flash Rogues. Mirror Master. Mirror Master Beetle. We've we've already talked, I think, on here about how bad we want a Mirror Master. You can make me another top. <laughs> so these submissions are going to be due August 10th. Is going to be the deadline for Drew's assignment. I will update the uh, dial design contest thread immediately. I will also be linking the dial design uh, thread in the links for this podcast. Um, on to another subject of community. Kenzilla has yet another build for us. So we appreciate him. 
uh, his event, his build this week is bring on the weenies. Silver Age, well, he said Golden Age, no feats, no battlefield condition. We call that Silver Age. Um, 600 points. No character can be over 100, but there's also a maximum of 10 characters. Um, Phil, you're the guest. You're going to go first. What do you got? Well, I love theme teams. I always have. Uh, I know it's not part of the build, but I went with Shield, Shield ATA team. Uh, had the 43-point Ant-Man, Brother Voodoo um, from Amazing Spider-Man, Captain America from uh, Marvel 10th, the scroll version, uh, Hawkeye from uh, Chaos War, Maria Hill from Captain America, Mockingbird from the Chaos War Fast Force at 25 points, Nick Fury from Chaos War, Shadowcat from the new Wolverine and the X-Men. As I said earlier, she actually kind of inspired this build. And then... Um, just because I love Miles Morales, <laughs> I had to throw him in there as well at 34 points. Um, kind of utilizing the probability, outwit, and perplex on a lot of the several of the characters in my build with the shield ATA, uh, increasing their range, and also using the shield team ability as well um, with the the characters like Brother Voodoo, um, Captain America, a lot, a lot of great control pieces and carry pieces. Um, I think this would. Trounce uh, Austin's team completely. Uh, there's no disputing that. Yeah, you leave my team out of this. Well, he asked, so, he asked him to build him a team, so Austin, would you go ahead and tell him what your team is? <laughs> Eight carrions, a half dial, two zombies, and a full 30-point board. Well, that was quick. Thank you for sharing, Austin. <laughs> um, since everything's under 100 points, um, carrions poison. Um, when when he uses poison, if they're less than 100, they're two damage instead of one. So, uh, and then Carrion himself has a special exploit where if he hits someone with it, that character can't use any defense except super senses. So, I built like this nice little group of Carrions with that special poison and the good exploit. They have good penetrating all the way down their dial. They drop onto region, then kick right back up, and uh, they can fly and stuff. The two zombies are filler. So, you drop them some hammers and you The just zombies are filler. Up. Let's be honest. The zombies are the showcase yep. in his teams. I just want to drop them a map. Uh, and then the, po- <laughs> the poison can trigger their scent to blood. Uh, I'm giving Austin crap, but my team's really erratic. It makes no sense. <laughs> I wanted to build a team around the book. I just wanted to build a team around the book, so there you go. I started off, I was like, alright, I'm going to put my favorite piece of all time, Sabretooth, in there from Giant Size X Men. And then I was like, well, I'll put his boyfriend, Alyosha Craven, in there. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to make out and they're going to get free actions everywhere. So I, Kirk Connors decided to come in and make it a three way. So <laughs> ASM Lizard's there. Alright, so this is where I started like looking at old pieces. Like, I really want to play old pieces with the book. I can't believe I have the papers. So I put. <laughs> Brave and the Bold, Max Mercury in there. He's the one who can perp up someone's speed by plus three, which is nasty. So you remember replace and modify, so it's like ten charge sometimes. (laughs) Uh, I put the uh, Fantastic Forces Hawkeye in there. The one that's riding the Avengers Mobile or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> that, I love that Hawkeye. No, piece. That yeah, Hawkeye. He's up there. Didn't I have one of you guys play him recently? You, you had it played. It was in your. Me. Oh, I had Rob use it. You yeah. it to Rob, and Rob used it against it's me. It's a good piece. Man. I had a full Illuminati. It starts with a twelve attack. So you put Mox Hammer on there, and he's shooting you at fourteen <laughs> at a ten range. Triple bolt from triple bolt. Um, I think energy t- explosion. I thought no, it was in cap. Maybe it was in cap. He gets one. Yeah, click of energy explosion. He locked down my whole See, the bad thing about him is his attack 
values drop, but if he's throw, if well, Drew's he's throwing a hammer on him, then yeah. he doesn't have to worry about it. Another fun piece I put in there was the two-gun kid from Avengers. Basically, you can give him a power, an action, and he'll, you can make two separate ranged combat attacks against two separate people, and you give him a hammer, and he'll do some things. Uh, Universe Taskmaster is pretty sick. He starts with a 12 attack. He's got a perp. He's got stealth. He's got energy shield. So he's... Wild card, too. He's got a wild card. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he can give old Kirk Connors that 12 attack. Yes, sir. a force. And <laughs> my last piece is a really expensive piece that I put in here for no reason except the reason that it's a really, really good cheap perp, and that's Origins Alfred, the chase, which is 50 bucks. It is like the biggest waste of money you could ever probably throw. I don't know anything about it. I haven't seen that piece. I have three of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Phil has three of them. Uh, he's, Phil sleeps in a pillow. He's, um, <laughs> like Phil, I pretty much always play theme team. I can't. I, I play theme team like 95% of the time. Is eight carrions a theme team hunter? Nah, I guess. They're all monsters. I guess Austin got his I got my theme wish. team. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I went with Marvel Knights <laughs> because a lot of them are in the like 70, 80 point range, and I figured this would be a good time to use them since we have to be less than 100. Black Widow from Captain America, um, and then the Blade from the Spider-Man Gravity Feed, Cloak and Dagger, which we had just talked about last week being an awesome uh, team up. I threw them in there. Doctor Strange, the one that gives the Jason's energy shield. Electra, one of the best pieces ever, the SIO 48 who has charged flurry blades and uh, just an all-around excellent piece. Uh, Iron Fist, FF-048, wild card, starts with the 12 attack. And then the SI Punisher, which is a piece I picked up recently and I still haven't got to play, is the chain gun uh, from Secret Invasion. <laughs> he is also... Now, the, the thing to note about this team I made, I have like six wild cards on here, and I'm... Used, the only reason I used that Black Widow was so that I could throw Thunderbolts on her. And so basically my whole team has Thunderbolts for one for only paying for it one time. Um, That's tight. That's and then I had idea. five points <laughs> I had five points left, so I threw the Crimson Gem on there because I couldn't afford a resource. I had the Doc Ock arms. I, I would like to bring up, don't sleep on the Crimson Gym. Like, I had a no, zombie it's good. It used that. to be a, a big meta piece. I love you had a zombie pick it up? I had a zombie pick it up. Whoa! Whoa. Charge through no a wall way. and kill somebody. Amazing. <laughs> All right, Kinzel, that's our build for this week. Um, My feelings are hurt. We have, a question, we have a lot of questions, some from Reddit, um, some from Realms. One of them is from Empire's Theory. He wants tips on how and where to trade. Now, this just came up this week. We just started a separate group on Facebook. We had so many, like we were talking about earlier, we have so many people on the Greenwood Hero Clicks League. We have like 40-some, and that Facebook group is hopping every day. <laughs> my phone goes off. Yeah, our, yeah my phone goes off a million times a day because people are posting, and a lot of them are asking about trades, things they're looking for. So we started a separate group just for trades where people can... Uh, basically, we made everyone admins. Everyone can go on the file section, create their own document that lists their haves and and wants, and that way it's a lot less spam, and it's a separate little section where people can trade. Um, that's one way you could set up trades locally. Um, HC Realms has a big um, trade market. The only thing is you're going to have to go by their rules, um, which is how it should be. You can only trade or buy until you get 25 positive feedbacks. Feedback system works very similar to eBay's feedback system. 
Once you've done 25 uh, positive feedbacks, then you can start selling your things for cash or PayPal or money order or however you want to do it, but it's the vast majority of people want to use PayPal. Um, if you want more information on that, go to HD Realms, go to forums, and go to the sell, um, the sell section, and there's a sticky post on there that has all the explanations for that. Um, I've been doing that for, I started last year, and I've already got like 70 rep like it. It really started, once you get that 25 and you get to start selling, your rep will, will fly. Um, that's a good place too because you have uh, thousands of people that are on there yeah, trading. Yeah. So you have a good chance of, of somehow picking up the pieces you want. And it, or you can just buy them for cheaper prices than you can find on other places too. And, and their systems and rules are very protective of the people. If you have a lower rep... You, um, it's considered etiquette to ship first. Right, well, it's considered... It's, you have to. It's pretty much required unless the person makes and, an exception And you're for supposed you. to provide tracking info and all that stuff. Right, you always provide shipping confirmation, which costs you like 75 cents. Um, the person who has a lower rep will ship first. Um, one other way is just locally at your venue, just talking to guys. Um Bring your trades. Bring your yeah. trades with you when you come so you can kind of show, you know, I've got these things. Are you looking for any of these? And maybe they can bring the stuff, their stuff next week, and that takes longer, but that's one. That's really the only other way to do it. Um, I get my pricings from CoolStuffInc.com. I think they have the pretty they have pretty fair prices overall. They also have a good rewards program um, that rewards you pretty well for buying from them consistently. Troll and Toad has some clicks, but their prices... Their prices are really high. They're not super high, but they're a little higher. A lot of stuff is a little higher yeah. than I feel like it should be. Um, so personally, I use Cool Stuff, and I use HG Realms for my prices. Um, Red Gears, who is a mod on Reddit Clicks, wants to know, what would we like to see in the next DC set? Now, this is a loaded question, so we're not going to go into very much detail but, because this is actually a main topic coming up soon for us. How soon? Really Very soon, so this. you're not going to talk for a half hour. Hunter, could you say we're going to cover it in a flash? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god! So could let's you say, say we should shine a green lantern at it. Let's say that was so bad. Two sentences. What would you like to see in a new in the next DC set, Austin? That's not fair. Two sentences. Go. Uh, no, no, Andrew, you go first because I got to think. Um. Hellblazer the Revenge, go. <laughs> what about you, Phil? Superman Return. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would love, I would love to see. Uh, I will say what I can. I say what I don't want to see. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Batman. Uh, no. <laughs> well, besides Batman, um, I don't actually want to see Brightest Night. I or Blackest Night, wherever it's called. Brightest Day. Blackest Day. <laughs> I, I really, the brightest night. I really love Green Lantern. Keep it within two cents, but uh, just not. I don't think it's click worthy as a whole set. Phil, I'm gonna throw blasphemy. <laughs> okay, okay. So mine is Blackest Night. No, I don't want Blackest Night as a main set. I want it as the next event, okay, and well, we're gonna get into that in the main topic. Awesome. Now, th as far as a set, I want some freaking Flash and Flash Rogues, like in Drew wants them really bad too. We need Flash love, we need Green Lantern world love, but most importantly, we need Wonder Woman love. Where's uh, the Wonder Woman where's love? Where's the Shazam? Shazam. Well, that goes without saying, man. Where Shazam needs its own comic, god dang it. I want a Flash set with a Shazam sub-theme, because they have the lightning bolt for both of them, you can just run with it. 
No pun intended. Okay, we got a little off. <laughs> Let's go. And then uh, I want to beat up Phil right now because although I agree with Hunter, an event set would be cool. We collect the rings. Um, big KR eighty eight. Oh, sorry, Phil. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't want sixty different Green Lanterns. I want. I want the fish well, guy. Well, see, that's where I think they should do it as an event, because then you can have an LE for like maybe one of each lantern quarter each month can be like, yeah, you know, yeah. you can have a new atrocity, a badass atrocitus, a badass Sinestro, like to have special powers that none of the other ones before have had, or something like that. Uh, I would like to see like a different. I would like to see more of the other colors if they did that. Like, I, just, I don't want a green lantern set. Or I do it like a Fear Itself, a limited set. That That's way you I'm don't saying. have to support it in the entire 60-piece yeah, set. It's 35 pieces. You know, 30, 35 pieces. All the spectrums. Um, and we got to get, what's the orange lantern blob guy? Glommy? Yeah, we need a Glommy. Um, Big KR88 wants to know, is there anything in Wolverine and the X-Men that could help against the Justice League team base? Oh, Phil sounds excited so, back here. He's giggling. Over the past couple months, before people give their answers, we we talked about when they first announced Wolverine the X-Men, I kept saying, there's no way that there's not going to be a silver bullet. There's no way they're not going to put a silver bullet in uh, before Gen Con so the team bases won't rule Gen Con. Well, f- then they announced the, ta- <laughs> the date and said that you can't use it in Gen Con. And now it's looking like there is no actual silver bullet like there was for the utility belt and for the Infinity Gauntlet with with Iron Man and Catwoman. I don't even see any pieces that are exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. Nothing exceptional at stopping the Justice League team base. Phil has a good one. Now, Phil apparently has a good one. What do you got, Phil? I I just felt like with the question that was put out there, we should at least come up with a possible one. Uh, and I'm assuming you're looking at Fortress X. Oh, yeah. The white box defense power. Uh, Magneto can use barrier, defend, and invulnerability. Uh, when he uses barrier, he may place up to eight blocking terrain markers, and friendly characters adjacent to any of these blocking terrain markers gain toughness. Uh, the great thing is, is okay, you're, slow, you're trying to slow down the team base, but what does the most of the support pieces for a team base are going to be like outwitters and stuff like that? Well, this power can't be countered by characters 150 points or less. Yeah, so... Um, so it's taking care of the little, you know, the weenies that are supporting them, and it's, you're, you can really be creative with eight. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing that sucks... It's, it, it's, we're talking meta when we talk... Well, oh, 300 points. I don't think at 300 points you would Oh, be, no, yeah. Okay. How much Excuse is he? Excuse me, at meta, yeah, you're right. How much is he? He's too much. <laughs> Hold on, I got it right here. Well, also, no, I just I mean that you don't care about... They're out. Oh, if he's two ten, then yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, that is good. Getting. I mean, that 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 blocking is definitely going to help. The only thing that I saw that was going to even help me in the slightest was with my poor man's mystical team, where I try to fit a bunch of mystical pieces and get that plus roll. That Lockheed has mystical keyword, and he's only fourteen. I'm going to swap him in for the astral that I threw on there just to hit another theme mm-hmm. team, and now I have a flyer that can carry around and. You know, just go out and get hit and tie I, up. I've got my solution, but not legal for worlds. What's your solution? Multiple that, man no, no, team. not this yeah. year. Between no. the shape change and the super senses and spawning more every time. Yeah, they, they don't care attack. about shape change or super senses. Oh, that's they, right. See, this is this is the thing you got to think about Justice League and how stupid they are. I got to remember Whoa. that half the rules in the game don't apply. <laughs> no, we're talking about real Justice League and how dumb they are. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So, big KR88, I'm sorry, but yeah, I don't see anything that well, I, that absolutely... The thing is, we haven't seen the entire... There's only, like, maps. four more pieces. There. There's we haven't seen the too. chases. We haven't seen, like, half the rares yet. There's maps, but... Ugh, 
really what's really going to hurt them because they can occupy multiple levels of elevated. That's but, the but big here's thing. the thing: when they make a silver bullet figure, it almost exasperates the problem coming from Wiz Kids particularly. Because they make a silver bullet, it ends up being such a good piece on its own. Yeah, now Iron Man against Brook of the Skull is a huge problem. Oh my gosh, that, that's just a ridiculous combo. To, to I mean, like yes, you're absolutely right. It does create the furthers the problem. I think Wiz Kids needs to take note. They made a a really powerful fig and learn from it. I mean, if you keep power creeping, uh, you're gonna make your you're old figs. You're gonna end up with Yu-Gi-Oh. that, but you're gonna make your old figs not as fun to play. You know, keep. I think what they were doing is great. They're making it a gradual uh, power increases and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not so far fetched like you see in Magic or Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. where the game is completely out of control right now. And uh, you know, there's whole sets of cards that are just completely worthless now. So I mean, you know, learn from the mistake. Basically, we're gonna give you, space. we're giving you a pass, but don't keep the shit up. But but that's why I, I put my, I put my <laughs> don't make something more dumb so that Please. it can beat the Justice. That's League why team. I think map will be it. We'll just suffer through the Justice League days. That'll be fine. A good map could stop the Krakoa problem. Or no, Krakoa. A, new, a new Krakoa, a new Krakoa of some sort that's good against the team base somehow. The meta problem is yeah, Krakoa. But see, the problem is the, then they're gonna get plus seven. The, the problem is they're plus seven to the map. I think the only thing. That's gonna fix this issue, and it's not gonna fix it completely. Is to is to errata them. Yeah, I is agree. to take away either nerf working together, or nerf the bonus to uh, theme team. They should not get plus seven they should for being both of one figure. They should not get plus seven. They need one or one or two of those changes is not gonna. They're still gonna be the best piece, but they're gonna be more beatable consistently. Beatable with counters. Nothing should be nothing in any game. Yeah, it's whether it's fighting game, game card game, board game. I shouldn't be able to build a perfect counter team to Justice League team base and go up and play Austin's Justice League team base and lose nine times out of ten. What I should lose to I should lose to more balance. I should win against Justice League team base, but lose against good balances teams. Like there, yeah. there needs to be a rock paper scissors mechanic in there somewhere. Justice League was a flop. I think we can all agree to that. Um, I, I don't want to talk about it anymore because it makes me sad. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Raymond Anderson asks, should NECA be worried about resale value? Now, this was something I had contemplated being a main topic in the future, too, but we'll, we can talk about it a little bit. I think we all should say no. I mean, I would assume. Coming from Magic, I think me and Phil, and we, we've seen the markets on Magic fluctuate so badly. Sure. Yeah, I didn't um, play any any CA and Wiz kids don't. They do. they do have a handle on the resale value market, but I don't think they're going to have as much of an issue. But the only problem I see is that they can't. Well, I shouldn't say they can't because they could. They're not really going to be reprinting old figures. I I pray we never see the day where they literally just reprint an old figure. I hope they continue their whole each new set's entirely new. But logistically, I think eventually we might see that point roll around where they take an old figure and style it up. And uh, to go on that, I think we will not see the reprints because comic books are living, their storylines. Oh, that's true. Um, you know, they're moving through. It's not just being created for the game like you see where they can actually rehash cards because it kind of works with what they're doing right now. Um, you know, the the best game designers, I think, in the world work for uh, Wizards of the Coast. And, I mean, but they still mess up a lot. I think NECA, WizKids, they, I don't think they also have to worry about brick-and-mortar stores with the resale value because... Um, you know, it's it's space. It's a, yeah. It takes up yeah. a lot of space to sell hero clicks. Um, um, piecemeal. What is that? Well, what that was called? I'm going to assume that this question 
is more talking about golden age play. No, is more talking about the whole con issue. Ah. And should they be worried about fixing like should they be worried about how much their cons are selling for because they in that whole fiasco they made statements saying that they're changing it because of the resale value. His question is should they even as the company who's selling it should they even be um messing with or even can worried about what the resale value of their product is once they get paid for it initially. My my thought is no, they shouldn't. No, it, no they shouldn't. That's what I meant when I said I don't think cons are something that are printed for one time and, you know, they're extremely rare and they should have their price value. I mean, they're called cons because they're exclusive. You know what the sad thing is, you know, people complain about the hundred dollar price tag on these things. But if you think about it and you add up the expenses that it's going to cost us to go and pay and food and and entry and parking and hotels and all that shit, you're pretty much paying the same price to stay at home and to just buy it. Honestly, it's not like it's it's, cheaper. It's not like it's $300. We're lucky. We're blessed that that Gen Con's here in Indianapolis. And if it wasn't, we'd be shelling out $300 more a pop just for the flight and the hotel and everything else at Probably least. Probably wouldn't go, honestly. And But the thing is, WizKids shouldn't drive their whole perspective based on the secondary market, but as a game company, you do have to care about it to a point. They specifically do control the flow of them. They say it's $48 of product to get one con exclusive. That's their trade-off. $48 and an hour of play for one con exclusive indirectly that sets the price if it was everyone walks up with a constructed team and plays for a bit at a little battle royale and you get a con every 30 minutes prices wouldn't be near as bad if there were more of them given out but i like them where they're sitting i I don't think con exclusives are a problem as much as people make them out to be i agree i think i think people say that their main beef is they want these figs and they want to be able to obtain them there's not enough printed that's a legitimate excuse there, there's other ways for Gen Con to solve, or for Gen Con, for Wizards, uh, WizKids to solve the problem without worrying about the resale value. They could be printing either more of these figures. See, they can't. The thing is, they can't print more of them because the, then it makes the value of us of people yeah. going to cons. There's nothing in it for them. But that's what, what they like. need to do is make these characters again in other sets and make different versions of yeah, them. Like exactly. my main beef is. I want that Dr. Uh, Fate really bad. Not necessarily because he's super broken. He is a very good piece. <laughs> but I'll settle for any Dr. Fate yeah. with a good sculpt and good and a, a decent mm-hmm. dial. The thing is, there is no new Dr. Fate in the last five years. And that's the one thing that I, I do kind of have to give them credit for for this con rotation. They picked a bunch of characters that, although they may be popular alternate universe versions or whatever... They're not direct hardcore characters like Dr. Fate or Martian Manhunter that people really want and there haven't been a good one of in a set or anything. They're obscure. Like the one, the Superman Wonder Woman is like the idea in my head of what a con exclusive should be. It's a, char- it's a character mashup from a specific storyline that... That you have plenty of other options yeah. for if you want those pieces. Yeah, and it's an interesting piece. It's not broken, like ridiculously broken or anything. Um, and it, it's a... It's a finesse piece. It's a cool shelf piece. They That's did, what a con exclusive is to me. They did a better job with it. The only one I think... 
No. Well, yeah, that's a good point. Gentleman Ghost. They shouldn't have put Gentleman Ghost in there. Either that or they, he needs to be in a set in the next year or Old two. Man Logan. Old Man Logan was the other one I was going to say. A lot of people... That's a very popular story and a very popular character, of course. I mean, that's one of Marvel's yep. flagship characters. I think he and Gentleman Ghost, if they were in another set coming up soon, then you don't have the problem of the resale value, and they wouldn't have to be worried about it in Flash the first Thompson place. Flash Thompson Venom comes to mind. Flash too. Thompson Venom. He needs to be... I. Don't know why they didn't put him in the Amazing Spider-Man set. Mm -hmm. It kind of seems like a stupid mistake. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that's enough for that. Let's move on. Deathlock Prime asks, how do we feel about cheese pieces? Wait, is his name seriously Deathlock Prime? (laughs) That's what it says. These are from Reddit. How do we feel about cheese pieces? We said that we didn't, that we disliked them, but yet we still use them. Why is that? Well, Um, the reason for that we explained last week the, the reason that I played Justice League Team Base, and I'll probably never play it again in my life after Gen Con... I am scarred for life. ...is because what I said on the, the podcast last week. These events that we're running are, pre- are using our teams that we are going to use at Gen Con. Now, if you don't use a team at Gen Con with the Justice League Team Base or a team that has a... some as much of a manageable cho- chance as you can have against the Justice League team base. If you don't come in with that, you're screwed. You're, you're screwed from the gate. Everybody's bringing out the big guns. So the only reason that we were using them last week is because these events are for Gen Con, and these are the teams that we're going to be running at Gen Con. Drew. I have a quick story to tell. My first time at the Game Preserve, we were doing an event. I can't remember what it was. It was like twenty. Was it the twenty five hundred point one or whatever the really crazy one? Oh yeah, I used Trigon and uh, six hundred point Justice League. I had never played Justice League before. I didn't know how good they were. I had <laughs> no like idea how working together were. even worked because I didn't really care. <laughs> I was just having fun. Doctor Manhattan. And then I realized I could shoot this guy six times, and I demolished his harvest, and I felt terrible. I felt horrible. And I never wanted to do that again. And. Ooh. And then I realized, well, if I want to win, this is the only way I'm going to do it. <laughs> that's the thing. There's com- there's there's heavy competitive atmospheres where there's meta pieces getting thrown around like candy. And there's a... Oh, sorry. Um, there, there's heavy competitive atmospheres where there's a, there's meta pieces getting thrown around like candy. Everyone's going to bring them to the gate. You know what those kind of events are ahead of time, typically. If the builds are really freeform... People are usually going to bring the power. Um, our venues tend to be a little bit lighter on the power, even on the freeform events. People tend to bring some fun teams, but there's still a power piece or two that shows up. You you just have to be you have to be decisive about it. If it's a power event, you bring the power. If it's a fun event, you bring the fun. And Long story short, we don't generally like cheese pieces, and we actually have never really played many of them. It's just right now we're prepping for Gen Con, and these events are for Gen Con, and the people who are coming also want to play against the teams oh, that yeah. they're going to be seeing at Gen you Con. You need practice against on those my, pieces as well. On my uh, Meteor Shower team, I'm not playing the Justice League team base, but I'm playing a really good team, and I'm expecting to play against Justice League team bases. Therefore, I want people to bring good yeah. stuff. I need to practice in that format against good stuff. I don't want to go up against your your uh, your uh, uh, Young Justice Theme team uh, <laughs> running off of, of hey. Red Tornado. Hey, what's it's, wrong with Red Tornado? As I said, once again, it's competitive versus casual kind of, so to speak. I don't look down on people who play cheese, but the thing is, if you are consistently 
every week bringing pieces like that. It's just if we tell you're you not there three, for fun, you're not there win. for fun, and you lose respect. If in my we eyes. tell you casual three hundred point theme team, and you bring the Justice League team base, right? Exactly. <laughs> Um, well, that's again going back. It's the TO and judges' right. job yeah. to control that. It's really quite simple. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, comics this week. We wanted to. Oh, we have one question that we got asked related to comics. That was from Swagnito, who also was in the dial design contest. Okay, what are our thoughts on X Men Legacy? So I when we have talked, Austin hasn't read it at all. Drew, have you read it? No. Okay, apparently Phil. Phil? Okay, Sorry. I'm gonna talk. <laughs> Well, so, there's our thoughts on it, guys. I, X-Men Legacy, <laughs> I initially liked a lot. I liked Legion. I liked the first arc. I loved learning about his powers and um, kind of the new take on him with Marvel now. But after that first arc, it's really been slowly losing me. Um, I can't think of the chick's name right now, Blindfold, I think. But I just can't stand reading her dialogue. She stutters all the time, and she, like, purposefully... And I, I would like to bring up, that's one of my biggest annoyances in comics. I don't like when they exasperate characters' <laughs> vocal problems repeatedly. Like, you can just start it, with... It, it brings me out of the com- yeah. of the experience. But not only that, that's just one tiny little thing. I feel like the storylines are just... I don't know. I just... I'm not captured anymore. I'm not intrigued by his powers, like... That that romance is worn off, and I'm really starting to not dislike it, but I'm starting to feel very meh about it. And I keep saying, I'm going to give this thing an issue or two to catch my attention again, or else I'm going to drop it. I'm going to give it an issue or two. So right now, that's where I am. I'm on the fence. If it doesn't grab me in the next couple issues, I'm going to drop it. i got enough stuff to read right now anyways. Yeah. So, the big thing we want to talk about this week, number one was Hunger. Oh, but... What? Okay. I, I just, Austin hasn't got to read it yet. Me and Drew read it. We both liked it a lot. It was Have pretty you read good. Hunger yet? So, like to, see to set up the movies. scene for Hunger, it is after Age of Ultron. Yep. It's revealed that with all the timeline problems that happened, one of them was Angela, who's released into the Marvel Universe, and she's right now the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be dealing with her. They just revealed in the Guardians yep. of the Galaxy. Um, another big thing is that Galactus has entered the. Marvel Ultimate Universe, and Hunger opens with Rick Jones, Rick Jones, and him kind of being talked to with Iwatu channeling through other people, like uh, people at like a fast food restaurant, like talking to him, like arguing with him. It's pretty great. It's really good. His, the, his characterization is very good. The Rick. art's really yeah. good, and the kind of plot line and the way that Galactus gets introduced is actually really kind of cool too. So I liked it a lot, and I'm pretty I'm pretty optimistic about it so far. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, it's it's gonna be good. I have a good feeling. Um, the other main thing we wanted to talk about was what we've been talking about every week on comics is Trinity War. Trinity War. We got two pieces of Trinity War the last couple of weeks: JLA number six and Justice League Dark number twenty-two. Have you guys read? I've read both. I've read both. I've read both. Have you, yeah. Phil? Mm-hmm. Come on, Phil. You're like me this week. <laughs> I work all the time. Phil's got a life. Um, and a wife. Uh, wife and a wife. <laughs> well, nice knowing you. <laughs> um, I'm loving it so far. I think we all it's, are loving yeah. it so far. I think my favorite thing about it so far is the detail they're putting into the backgrounds on these. Like, they drop little bitty hints in the background that make you think to where you go back through and look back every issue and you're searching through the back for a hint. The artwork is sick. Oh, dude. the artwork's I, great. I honestly think Constantine 5, I, I'm going to buy that so quick. And, it's and just, I'd like to say, oh, sorry. 
the, the other thing that's throwing me for a loop here is when I when you first see the Trinity where you're like, wow, it's going to be cut and dry. JLA versus JL versus JLD. No. Everyone's all mixed up and they're all following different sides and they're all fighting each other and it makes it a lot better, I think. It's kind of cool because you're <clears throat> it, it, it might be leaning towards they're all going to go with a different one of the Trinity of Sin and go after their way of stopping yeah. the Pandora's box. I don't. I mean, who knows where it's going to hit but, right but now. But I like that. Cause but I, it's a fun ride right yeah, now. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, I definitely got to give it bigger props than Age of Ultron. Well, Age of Ultron's yeah. kind of mid. See, I liked Age of Ultron. Well, the thing but. about Age of Ultron that everyone was upset about was the ending. So Trinity War's not over. The last half. Yeah, we'll see how Trinity yeah, War we'll goes. Trinity right War now, goes. we're really optimistic. There's only two more main storylines. There's only two more main storylines, but there's uh, Constantine Five, and right. then there is a uh, what is it? Uh, Constantine Five doesn't really like. Yeah, it is. It's, it rides on it. I know, it's but not, it's, like, it's, it's a tie-in. Yeah. Um, I'm catching up right now, Trinity War. <laughs> the tie-in with Constantine this week was Superman? Shazam and Constantine I, uh, are in a bar. <laughs> it's so crazy. And they switch bodies. It's really crazy. What is it? The tie-in, Constantine and, oh. and Shazam. Um, so, yeah, we're liking Trinity War a lot so far. Um, one, uh, one comic in specifically I wanted you guys, if you get time to uh, download and read, I finished. I got caught back up on Wolverine and the X Men, and in the middle of that is issue number seventeen. And all it's about is Dupe. And if you don't know Dupe, he's the peanut looking guy yeah. who never talks and never does anything. And it's all about like what he actually does at the school because you never see him actually doing anything. And it, <laughs> and it is one of the funniest. It's like funnier than the Deadpool comic. It's hilarious. It's number seventeen. Um, I just really enjoyed it, and I wanted. Uh, other people to read it and enjoy it. Phil, what'd you read? I do want to say, yeah, um, I did read Uncanny Avengers. Uh, that has been my favorite books from the Marvel set right now. Um, they introduced the the new Four Horsemen of yeah. Death, and I mean, they're all of Death, aren't they? I believe so. Yeah, and I mean the Apocalypse Twins, everything about it. I mean, I would love to see these guys clicked up. I agree. Uh, I would love to see the new Horsemen as chases. I'd like uh, to see them as. Con- uh, well, not Either way, I mean, just something great. Last alternate <laughs> versions of some really classic characters so, and controversial characters too. Like you have Sentry, who you know everybody's love or hate about and, that guy. And I, I would like to bring up that's one of my favorite things that Marvel now has been doing really well. They're bringing back old rogues, old characters that have been mm-hmm. dusted and left on the shelf for a while, and they're revamping them. They're giving them new life, and they're yes. you got to give it to Marvel with that. They're doing a great job with it. And that being said, I would love if the main set Havoc had the Avengers keyword. <laughs> yeah, I was really shocked that it didn't. Yeah, why doesn't it? Uh, because most of the story arcs, from, from what I can tell about the Heroflix world, is it's about two years or a year or two years behind. Yeah, I was well, yeah, cool. that's certainly true, yeah. So it's not Havoc from Uncanny Avengers, it's Havoc, you know, being emo with X-Factor. You know you know what, figure, I want, I want a Scott Summers and his new outfit from the latest uh, X-Men comic. Yeah, the I just want X-Men. Scott Summers from Revolution, uh, Age of Apocalypse. From again. Scott Summers. By Scott Summers. Uh, let's see, what I haven't really picked up any of the X-Men wise. Um, Batwing was what I put some time in this week. I read through all 22 issues. I heard of it. great things about that. I loved it. It starts out great. Like the first the first 20 issues or so. And then about 19 it kicks off and flips into a new character. Um, the new character starts off really meh. It's Lucius Fox's son. Yeah, and it, it's just not... No, spoiler. Oh, Fox. It's not, really, spoiler it's not, it's, not saying it. it's not his fault that the book isn't as good, though. Yeah. It's not... I wouldn't say it's him. It's the fact that we got so attached to the original Batman. The storylines are, are out there. 
the the thing that's the that's awesome about Batwing at first is it feels like unknown soldier. That's exactly what I was gonna it's say. It's based in Africa. The problems feel very Africa. It almost feels like a movie. Yeah. That you're kind of along for the ride, like with the whole cop and dirty cop, good cop, and all the things that are going on. Like they're comic booky. Like there's some villains that have some certain things that are, of course, yeah. a, above human level. But it still feels very grounded, and the art is also and, extremely good. Oh yeah, and the thing was like uh, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It feels just like Unknown Soldier to me. It's a world that, unless you like really read into it on the news and stuff, you, we don't get much of a taste of. And it's interesting to see, like, African takes on, like, the traditional superhero teams. Like, some of their superheroes have weird powers. Stuff like that. And it was really cool. I liked it. And then when they did the swap, although I, I like the new Batwing suit, kind of. It looks kind of like a Batman Beyond suit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the new villains are alright. It just... The plot isn't pulling me in at the moment. Um, yeah, it's kind of dying off for me, too. Um, which is I, sad. I'm going to keep going with it. It's about three issues into the new arc. Um, if, if it if it continues down the meh path, I think I'm going to drop it. But I, I the first 19 issues or whatever are great. I would recommend them to anyone, um, especially if you enjoy um, a Batman flavored character in a whole new environment. Like it, it's definitely worth a read. It's out there as far as like comics go, kind of. Um, Batman and Robin had Batman and Catwoman this week. It was good. It was it was good. Um, it's the woe is me Bruce bit's kind of dying down a little bit um it's not like as bad as it was for the first few where everyone was all sad but it's still there um it without spoiling anything it's basically Catwoman and Batman team up for a JLA mission it, it's an interesting book um, it kind of hints at the Trinity War setup yeah. a little bit too um and then uh the basic Batman right now is running year zero it's kind of explaining his origin with a few more details and stuff like that it's a little slow to me. I'm waiting to see when something else picks up or whether it ties back into the stories. Because as I said last week, the New 52 Batman was really good. It was re-explaining a lot of the origin stuff, and it introduced some new stuff. It's going to be interesting to see if Year Zero ties back into that. Um, what else did I hit this week? Um, Caught Up on Superior Spider-Man, still recommended highly. Great book. Still need to read Superior New Ramos design on the suit. Oh, so yeah, I love bad. that design. Um, Avengers New Avengers is starting to wrap into Infinity um, that, that's a big thing um, Hickman's been really bad these last few weeks um, about plot lines, plot lines, plot lines everywhere like I feel like everything's all over the place on all three of the books that are kind of like tying in or the two main books that are kind of tying into it but it's starting to like finally take shape, I'm starting to see what Infinity Infinity's going to be about and it's nice to get a little bit of a relief on that tension for once um, it's actually making me look forward to Infinity, whereas before I was kind of like, eh. And then uh, Thanos Rising ties into that, of course. Four, I liked four. Four was better than three to me. Um, they start revealing, like, talking about death, and re- you you almost feel sorry for Thanos. Yeah, which, which yeah. Taken the, the whole series has done a good job of that. Yeah, of the, making you feel sorry for him, um, or kind of at least trying to relate to him a little bit. What'd you read, Phil? Oh well, going off the Thanos thing, uh, what it, I just because I don't know if you guys covered this yet. What were your feelings about them announcing a different main villain for the Avengers 2 movie over Thanos after being spoiled at the end? I assumed, and I don't know why they didn't make him be the villain in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Seriously? Guardians is going to tie into it. I know, but I don't know. Well, from what I understand, I was reading an interview about it earlier. Um, 
they want Thanos to be like the big background villain who like the Avengers think their world's so small and they're doing all these big problems to them. So what I'm gonna assume it's gonna be the villain in Avengers three, yeah, maybe? It's it's pretty much locked in he's three. Yeah. Okay. So uh Ant Man and all that's gonna tie into it. And I mean it does surprise me that he's not gonna be the did they say who it would be? Um, it's Ultron. Oh, yeah, duh. it's Ultron. Yeah, duh. sorry. I and, and, I mean, which is also amazing. Don't get me wrong. And, uh, but with the whole, you could get almost that whole Jedi feel with the, uh, you know, the good guys, and then the bad guys come, and you know, Thanos comes and wipes the floor with them, and then yeah. you have to have the Avengers rise up. Yeah, and, you know, Avengers assemble kind of classic thing. Yeah, it's kind of like the traditional like sequel thing you have. I'm okay with the mix up though. Yeah, hero, hero comes to power. Hero continues being a power. Hero falls and has to come back again. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on the whole cosmic side of things, the current run of Iron Man is really mad to me as an Iron Man yep. fan. I'm really close to dropping it. If it wasn't for Death's Head, I probably would have dropped it. Especially coming <laughs> off of Invincible Iron Man, jumping into this when Marvel Now kicked in. It's it's writing is kind of meh. The plot just isn't grabbing me. And the rewrite, while it's okay and some of the stuff's interesting, um, the book just doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. It's just because they took Matt Fraction off of it. And Matt Fraction's genius. Yeah, and but he's not doing a very good job with FF right now. But that's just because it was Hickman's baby, and Hickman was so perfect at it. And yeah. now it's like it's meh. But like with Iron Man, the thing is like as I said before, there's Iron Man, there's the robot, and then there's sometimes Death's Head. Those are the only three characters in it, like that are interacting with each other. And it there's no character development really going on. There's no chance for Tony to be witty and funny and all that stuff, and that's where Tony and Iron Man excels. Really, Death's Head's being funnier and oh, wittier yeah. than, than I've Tony gotten, is. I've gotten more You know what time. also hurts that book in my back of my head, too, is you see him being written in Guardians of the Galaxy and being in the Cosmic Universe and everything, and it's, like, yeah. amazing. Yeah. And, like, he, he feels like he fits, but he's also, you know, they always tease him about being a human. He always yeah. has, like, witty banter. And it, in his main book, he doesn't get any of that, I even though he's in So it, the it shows you he can be well written. Like, yeah. it, it can be a good thing. It's just this book's just not turning they, out that good. Um, and Thor, God of Thunder, which me and you both have talked about. Yeah, times. we'll talk once it wraps up the main storyline. We'll go oh over the gosh, whole thing. I would recommend that to anyone. Absolutely, it's. I'm gonna buy the trades because that's my favorite Thor story. I think I've ever read. Uncanny uh, Avengers. Read. <laughs> yeah, Uncanny Avengers is very good too. Um. I guess we'll wrap up with that. Um, contact us on Reddit HeroClix, on HC Realms, um, on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Dial H for HeroClix. We have a Twitter account, which is also Dial H for HeroClix. It's all one word with the number four on that one. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. I will link all of our news links that we talked about today, and I'll link the Dial Design Contest. So re- remember, this is going to be the last week for this month one dial design contest and you're going to do assignment number three and next week we'll give our grade on that and then we will announce our winner and i will contact the winner and we will figure out what kind of uh custom poker chips you want made and then the next week we'll start over again with month number two um thanks everybody for listening thank uh, everybody for being here especially our special guest phil and hopefully we'll have him on again soon love phil